It's time for Twink this week in Google. Jeff Jarvis is here. Aunt Pruitt is here. We're joined by Paris Martineau in seat three. We'll talk about the new Pixel 8 phone, the Pixel Watch 2, the new Pixel Buds. And we'll tell you why you should not stick your new phone in a salmon. We'll also talk about Spotify's plan for monetization involves audiobooks. This podcast didn't work out all that well. And what happened to Masterclass? It's all coming up next on Twig. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twig. This is Twig. This Week in Google, episode 736, recorded Wednesday, October 4th, 2023. Socks on the Beach. This Week in Google is brought to you by Collide. Collide is a device trust solution for companies with Okta. And Collide assures that if a device isn't trusted and secure, it can't log into your cloud apps. Visit collide.com slash twig to book an on-demand demo today. And by Fastmail. Reclaim your privacy, boost productivity, and make email yours with Fastmail. Try it now free for 30 days at fastmail.com slash twit. And by Miro, the online workspace for innovation, where your team can dream, design, and build the future together from any location. Tap into a way to map processes, visualize content, run retrospectives, and keep all your documents and data in one place. Get your first three boards for free at Miro.com slash podcast. It's time for Twig this week in Google, the show we cover Google, the internet, the Googleverse. As uh, John just told me, anything you can find in a Google search, that's what this show is about. <laughs> Jeff Jarvis is here, the Leonard Tau Professor for Journalistic Innovation at the Craig Craig Newmark Graduate School Newmark. of Journalism at the City University of New York. Hello, Jeff. Hello, 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 boss. Welcome back. Did you cheese it up? Oh, my God. <laughs> A lot of curds. In they you? even put cheese in their brats. I had a macaroni and cheese bratwurst. Oh, oh, sounds good. Yeah. Oh, too much. Yeah, cheese curds. It turns out are really just lumps of cheese. I don't yes. know. I don't know exactly. Thank you, Aunt Pruitt says he's he agrees. Aunt Pruitt, uh, things come. are outstanding, sir. Oh, you Fried love them. cheese curds. See, I like the ones that were. Fr- are you coming out against cheese curds, Leo? Oh. <laughs> Uh-oh, I might be in trouble Who's here. That? That, Who's that? is Paris Martineau. You know her from This Week in Tech. She's, of course, at The Information. And as a many, many times... replace my lower third with cheese curd enthusiast. Are you a cheese curd? <laughs> where do you get cheese curds I in Brooklyn? Love, I oh, mean, some bodegas Brooklyn. have them, cheese oh, yeah. shops. I love cheese. I'm lactose intolerant. I shouldn't love cheese. I love it anyway. Well, I love cheese. You I'm not against cheese. I don't understand okay, the benefit of a cheese are, curd. It's cheese, but in a portable, hand uh, <laughs> size, you know. See, I like I love cottage cheese, which is actual curds. Okay, cottage cheese. That's gross. actual cheese curds. That's curds. What was that you said, old man? You like, I love yeah. cottage cheese. Do you like cottage cheese, cheese to eat when you take your dentures out? It is like an old man, isn't it? Give me some cottage. But was it Ronald Reagan loved cottage cheese? No, it was Nixon. Nixon loved cottage cheese Nixon and ketchup. And ketchup. <laughs> Isn't our cheese? I'm a little more up to date. I love cottage cheese and balsamic vinegar. 
Oh, that sounds good. Together. It's not too bad. Yeah, it's like catch I mean, your own pepper. That actually pepe. sounds appetizing. Yeah, you should that try. Okay. Um, cheese curds, as far as the Wisconsinites uh, are uh, involved, seem to be basically like lumps of cheese. <laughs> Although you can yes, get them. they're well, a curd. That's just it's a yeah, curd. But, Okay, they're not like kind of cheese curds. They're not like curds and whey curds. They're just cheese lumps. But, but I'm asking, I'm is asking a serious question. Are they curds? an earlier part of the process? I think in theory they were, but not now. Anyway, I don't know. Hmm. They are delicious. So you can get them plain, just like a lump of cheese, or you can get them deep fat fried. And that that's actually is, is quite tasty. That's what you want. That's but that's not much want. different, Ant, than a mozzarella stick. Oh, it's way better than mozzarella steak. <laughs> oh, now watch, 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 watch. New Jersey and Brooklyn mm. have high-level mozzarella. Yeah. Mozzarella. Yeah, it's okay, true. Okay, I give Listen, you that. I yes, love to I'll get a big, fresh ball of mozzarella. Mm. Yeah. Go down to yeah. Italy. I give you that. Go to Delhi Italy. and Hoboken. Mm. I give you that. New York, New York mozzarella versus mozzarella so uh i am very grateful to jason howell because this morning he got up at 7 a.m pacific time probably got up earlier (laughs) for a pixel event now apple has finally figured out that you don't have to do these things live you can produce a beautiful highly edited well flowing presentation that sells it very well this felt like an event from 1975. It was like the old school days. Rick, Rick Osterloh up on the stage. We love Rick. He came to a Google for Motorola when they bought Motorola. He's uh, now in charge of all hardware. Uh, started things off. It just felt a little, I don't know, it was, did it feel str- Did you watch it yet, Jeff? Nope. Yeah, I watched mm. it live. I, of course, I had to watch your stream. Did it feel strange to you? No, it just felt small. 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 Yes, I got up and watched this 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 presentation this bright early morning and nothing against Mr. Oslo and and the other members there. But, man, their presentation was just so flat. It was flat. I legit got another nap in watching (laughs) that and woke up crazy refreshed right as they finished talking about the Pixelbud pros or whatever. Yeah. It, it just it just they had a the, whole different energy level. The know? guy who came to Google from Pixel. As always, Here's Rick. our focus is on making AI more helpful for everyone. I'm sleeping already. Bold it's what they're always like. Okay, but all right, so now, Mr. Do you want Howell, did you watch Paris, did you watch this? Um I will say when I stopped reporting on exclusively consumer tech, one of the first things <laughs> that filled my heart with joy is that I will never have no. to sit through a God knows how many long, hour long oh. press release. Yeah. Uh, That's what these I are. Yeah. One of the first things yeah. was like the, it was Apple's uh, one of their like demo days or whatever. And I was like, God, I don't have to do this. Anymore. Oh. I mean, in this case, I skimmed the product announcement. I think that each and every one of these uh, sort of events proves that it should have been an email. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good point. No title. Should have been an email. Uh, they announced the new Pixel 8, which we already knew everything about. In fact, even they even had the kind of, uh, I don't know, the self-deprecating nerve at the beginning of the event. They had a, a couple, let me see if I can find this, a couple that sitting was the dazzle part in right the there. cafe. Oh, God, this music even is god-awful. <laughs> that was a good line. The W8 is over. That was nice. That was nice. What, it, what, not, sure. what does W8 mean? Just the wait. Sure. Wait. 
Yeah, but sure. what, what do you think? Go. That's clever. Sure. For that, that's for a presentations, it was it was positively Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> there was an ad, apparently. Oh, yeah. You can't get rid of it, huh? But do you really think all those rumors are true? <laughs> yeah, they were all true. Let's see. They and then they started the event. Like they acknowledged, yeah, we we told you everything already. There's yeah. nothing. Yeah. There's nothing new. good for that. Um they announced the Pixel Watch 2, which is much needed cuz the Pixel Watch 1 fell apart, had all sorts of problems. Um, Fitbit is very much a part of it. In fact, you get six months free of the Fitbit subscription with the Watch 2. Uh, and as I said, the guy who came to Google from Fitbit, the founder, the guy who founded Fitbit, uh, did the introduction on the Watch. And they also announced the new Pixel Buds. Uh, yeah, email easy. Easy could have covered <laughs> covered all of this. I did order. I mean, I thought, well, oh, I should. I have the Pixel 7. How many phones did you order as a result of just this event? Just one, I think. Yeah. Just one. Okay, just that's one. huge. Just one. Um, Pro? But I have to, right? I sort of have, yeah, to. have to. So I have the Pixel uh, 7 Pro. The good news is, because I'm a Google Fi customer, I can get the Pixel 8 Pro. I think it was 760 bucks with 256 gigs and trade this in for a couple of, couple of uh, bills. So it's going to cost more like 500 bucks, which... You know, for a feature phone, state-of-the-art, top-of-the-line uh, phone is probably not a bad price. I'm most... Listen, coming to this from iPhone land, that sounds like a steal. Yeah, I know. Yeah. How much did I pay for the 15 <laughs> Pro Max? What do you got, uh, Ant? What do you have? That's the 7? This is the 6 Pro. Should we trade it in? They look the same, don't they? It's they look exactly, exactly the same. The same. Uh, yeah, what you can if you want. the back of your phone? It's got some sort of blocky thing. Oh, that's there. a magnet for when I get into the car. I just... Pop it on there. It's a hawk. Oh, you know, I for some reason still think of magnets as the enemy of technology. I think like the CRT, like I'm TVs, really scared me. Anytime a magnet gets near my computer or phone, I'm like, oh god. I'm with you. You're not I was wrong. A nervous, but I got in the car with one of the hardheads one day, and he had a magnet of, on the back of his phone. He set it on the dashboard, and I'm like, wait a minute, that actually works, and your phone is fine. It's like, yeah, okay, I'll try it. Yeah, I, so Leo, <laughs> we all have that feeling like magnets? Really? You shouldn't? Yeah. No. <laughs> Although it is possible to do bad things to your phone. Did you see the BMW's really? wireless charging burns out the uh, RF ID or, oh. the, or the NFC in the back of the new iPhone? Wow. It burns it out. It destroys it. Wow. Okay, that doesn't surprise me because there are some, specifically I feel like the wireless chargers I see in cars always make my phone incredibly warm. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And BMW would have a macho magnet. Heat. <laughs> it's a yeah. super, it's super wireless charging. It's the best. Uh, so Leo, tell me when I can have a preemptive fit about the eight. <sighs> about what? The eight. Can you guess what I'm going to have a fit about? The eight? Knowing, knowing what I have fits about? About the Pixel 8, the new, the new phone? Yes. yes. What's... Uh... So I've been trying, I mentioned this last week when you were AWOL, I've been trying to get Google Bard extensions working on my workplace account, okay? And I went through three, I was on the show talking to service, trying to figure it out. 
three days, four days afterwards, till they never gave me an honest answer. Basically, in the bottom line is it won't work with my account because I pay Google for it <laughs> right. and I, I can't use it. Paris, right. because so now, you're, wait, because wait, you're wait. new here, I better explain. Oh, okay. This is an ongoing. Listen, constant. I was really enjoying the raid. This is this is Niagara Falls step by step. Yeah, <laughs> he has been complaining about the fact that he can't do with his workplace account the things the rest of us can do with our consumer Google. But I pay for it all this time. Go ahead. What Continue. things are you missing? Oh, all kinds of things you cannot do that Google won't allow them. They have all these new features come out. Oh, it works on everybody except the people who pay us. All of the AI stuff, a lot of AI Well, that's stuff. the thing. So I, I, mean, I can see this happening. I spend $1,100 for the effing phone, and the main reason to buy it is because the Tensor chip is on it, and it can do all this neat AI stuff with my email and my maps and all the things that are promised with barred extensions. And I'll give you 10 to 1 because my account is a workspace account. It wouldn't work. And I would then have a $1,100 piece of steaming anger in my hand. <laughs> so I would like to get it. I'm kind of due for a new phone. Don't tell my wife she wouldn't agree. But <laughs> if I do, you would you will my head will explode on this show like you have never seen. You think I'll be Mr. Calm all these years oh, compared gosh. to what you would see at that moment. And I can't get a straight answer out of anybody as to whether or not maybe Paris can because she works for a very powerful mm. Barred extensions work with these tuned accounts. So that's my preemptive fit. And I just can't order the phone because I don't know if it's going to work. One thing they did say is that uh, Bard or some sort of LLM uh, is going to come to Google Assistant. Not right away, but in the next few months. Yeah, but that's December. that's they, what they showed was basically barred uh, extensions. Yeah, so it'll you're going to get email. it. It'll work with because maps. it's going to work in your assistant. So you're no, going to say, "Hey, going to say everybody, but not people." <laughs> no, account, no Jeff. it's not going no. to. No, but to say every, it, it could work for everybody that, but Jeff. That could that's be basically what it is. The wrong account. The Verge I am the victim. The Verge says it's far from going full on barred. Which again, this before the show we were talking because Paul Thorat and I have gotten a little. Lovers quarrel uh, because uh, I'm of the opinion that adding uh, AI to search is a mistake because AI doesn't guarantee the factual nature of its results. Oh, and that's the it. one thing you want from search is accurate results. So, uh, you know, he's defending ChatGPT and Bing. Is that the he says it's going to it's going to improve search. And I I think it's oh. going to do everything but improve search because Great. if you're search, you know, he said, well, look for what's the best vacuum cleaner. I said. When I search for that, I don't want Google to tell me what the best vacuum cleaner is. I want it to give me links to the wire cutter and consumer reports and various trusted sources that can that I can look at the ratings. Right. He says, well, no, no, right. because uh, what will happen is it will say, well, according to these sources, this is the best vacuum cleaner. And 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 he says, and then I'll add, this is where you can get it and these stores are open. And I say, yeah, and I'll have to vet every freaking answer because it, it could be hallucinating. It's Paris, reminiscent what of what Elon Musk is doing right now with Twitter, where they've essentially said, or I guess the website formerly known as Twitter, where he said, oh, we're going to take away links, um, prioritizing tweets with links on Twitter because we want to optimize for people staying on X.com. Wait a minute. I feel like it's probably That's, a similar... Did he say that I mean, recently? One, yes, he did. He did. Yes, yeah, he did. I think that was today. In, uh, um, in, um, 
But I think that no the more Google links in Twitter. Similar yeah. because it's like That's you don't want to have people leaving Google search results yeah. and going to Wirecutter and no, those don't. trusted sources. No, that's a good point. Accuracy be damned. Line fifty nine, Leo. Oh, one my time goodness. YouTube was doing the same thing when you would put your YouTube video onto a website as an embed. It's like it wasn't really counting as a view, but if you put a thumbnail. Have them click on the thumbnail that takes it to YouTube, then it's a view. So it, it's I get people well, isn't wanting true their platform to be prioritized versus the content being prioritized. Sorry, Ant. Um, is it just urban legend, or is it true that posts with links are deprecated in Facebook and LinkedIn? That's what people think is the case. So they put I don't links know. in the comments under the post. I don't know. I see. I didn't even know that. With, uh, That's a great question. LinkedIn. I'm not sure with LinkedIn. If I recall correctly, there was something with Facebook when they were deprioritizing news content in the feed because of concerns over inflaming political tensions right. where essentially they would say like, oh, links to certain news organizations or links to content that we think could be politically charged will be deprioritized in the feed. But I'm not sure if that's still the Always. case today yeah. or if it's all links. So Paris brings up what I think is a really important story, and it adds into kind of a trend, right? So you have um, two things going on. You have an attack on links, basically, because Facebook is getting rid of them in Canada because of C-18. You have Musk saying he's going to get rid of them. Um, and then you have paywalls go threatened around Facebook and Instagram and uh, around X because he thinks he wants to. And now TikTok is talking about paywalls. So it's the closing in of our dear open web by these companies. <laughs> I'm sorry. Are you on uh, Discord, Paris? He's laughing. At oh, oh, yeah. You're, you're now part of the oh, official. You. You're now, I, now you officially. I really am part of the Magnets yeah. Suspicion Magnets, Club. Magnets, how do they work? We'll soon have That's your handy dandy. Uh, stickers. Yeah, you're doing a sticker Very soon. important. <laughs> I am going to need, yeah, I'm going to need a whole pack of these. So I, I got a little bit, this was a little squirrel moment for me because we were talking about something completely different. But to take links out of Twitter is like, that's the whole point of Twitter. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, Elon has, has proven time and time again over the last year that he doesn't understand anything about what the point of Twitter is. Or he does and he wants to destroy it. You think he wants I mean, to go bankrupt yeah. like he's just trying to get out of it? I don't think he's thinking that hard about it. He should it, tell Linda Yaccarino <laughs> what his plans are because she says we're going to be profitable know. next year. Yeah, she clearly does not know what's going on. Oh, she. I know somebody who knows her back in the day at NBC, and I said, was she that bad then? And no, but geez. Well, mm -hmm. you kind of have to, if you're going to work for Elon, I think you have to drink the Kool-Aid, except you got to wonder when she got back after the, we're talking about the interview she did at the code conference, uh, with, um, uh, uh, Julia Borston of uh, CNBC. First of all, it, she was, yeah, Karina was a little off put by the fact that they had Yoel Roth on right before her interview. He's the former head of Twitter, uh, safety who was ousted by Elon and then doxed by Elon and had to move. Right. And, I mean, really was mm -hmm. threatened by Elon's stands. Uh, so she was right. like, why did you have him on? So she was already uh, on their back foot. But then she, at some point in this interview, in which she's very defensive, shows her 
phone screen. And there's no and Twitter there, is not on there. There's no Twitter. <laughs> and I can And only, also, may I point out she has the settings app in her dock at the bottom of the phone, which I think is the most psychopathic thing I've ever seen. Uh, Who has the settings yes. there? Who needs that much access to the settings app? <laughs> well, we can debate that. I actually uh, it's funny the Verge ended up Having on, I think it was on uh, Threads, all of their uh, editors post their screens. And you're right, none of them had the settings on the dock. Um, but I can only imagine her going back to the office and, and Elon saying, you've got Instagram, you've got Facebook's, uh, you know, uh, WhatsApp, uh, you've got Facebook on your, where's Twitter? Where's X? I think yeah, that might be. X? So, you know, maybe she doesn't even use it. I don't know. Um, I was going to say, X is on my home screen. Is it really? Yeah. Is it? it? You are brave. I don't want it on my home. Well, it's in a folder on my home oh, screen. Oh, I don't know if it's not going to. It's not. Gonna I don't use it. Mine are no. color coded, which I think everybody should. Oh, know. wait a minute. Let's see that. You um, color code your home screen? Oh, my. Oh. Yeah, I do. I don't know how to get the camera to. No, yeah, it's it. too bright. It's uh, not right, going to. Paris, so, Paris, I got it. This, this, is a, this is a major litmus test question. Tell me your books aren't organized by color. Um, they're not. No. They're okay, not. good. There are maybe there's like one area like uh, am I pointing in the right like over here that has some blue books because I think they look nice together. Oh, but most of the other books it's, are it's a little reslope, my friend. Listen, I'm not I'm not going full. You know, Pinterest. Paris is very person. aesthetic, though. She has. I will a, say, uh, I do. Uh, yeah, I gotta take pride in the background of my apartment. You're very crafty. Yeah. No. Uh, she has. Uh, interesting object dart in her faux fireplace, though. I not we won't talk about that. Listen, you know not yet. we're Until we not yet. We, we got to save that. <laughs> <to> <laughs> <the back. laughs> um, uh, where were we? God, now we've sidetracked. Your Twitter uh, Musk killing. No, no, no. Um, we were originally talking about Google. I'm going to pop the stack. We were talking about the Google, the new Google phone. We haven't finished that. Oh, that. Oh, back. Yeah, oh, guys, yeah. Google. Right, right. Google. Remember, remember right. Google. <laughs> <laughs> even even Paris is chastising us. Uh, I got to start from a position of power here. Yeah, start Google. This is a show about. It says Google. Um, actually, there isn't really much to say. I the thing I think that there are a couple of things that's interesting. The new phone is using a screen technology called LTPO, uh, which ironically came from Apple. Uh, it is a low temperature. Uh, what does it stand for? Low temperature polycrystalline oxide, I think. Uh, but it is bright. In fact, they uh, they uh, are even brighter than the new Apple phones. Twenty four hundred nits. That's awesome. That's, That's a awesome. lot of nits. What if we awesome. talked about how one of the new Google phones can sense your temperature? Was That's that okay. Yeah, we haven't That's gotten there. The That's you know. Pro, That's right. the one interesting new feature. Anyway, so the bright screen. You like that, Ant? Um, what about the photo controls? The camera controls. Is that just catching up, Ant, or is that maybe really good? Uh, I think it's going to be pretty good. Well, at least what I saw in the demo and that I was awake for. Mm -hmm. It's going to be pretty. Good. I think that's going to be nice. I got it. That's actually what put me over the top because I thought, you know, they always have had the best camera. I'm going to give mm -hmm. it a, a give it a shot. And there's a lot of AI in there. Um, but I do think that the most in, there were two things that were interesting. One is that they're going to put parts of Bard, parts of their AI, large language model AI, into Google Assistant. They will be the first. If you're allowed to use it, we well, can't be sure. You will. Go ahead. You will. But they'll be the first to do that. I mean, uh, there have been. 
you know, hints that Amazon would do it. In fact, Amazon did a big investment in Anthropic ostensibly for that reason. There were hints that uh, Apple was working on something like that for uh, Siri. But this will be the first one, and it's not there yet. But it'll. And this it's is what coming. this is what we've been waiting for. Is just that 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 is exciting. Seriously, is to imagine what can be done locally, fast, privacy. It that, that becomes really interesting to have your little server there and using your own rather than the whole LLMs of the whole world, using the corpora, right, Leo? Corpora. Corpora. Very nice. Of your own data. <laughs> um, you know, which is better than asking for vacuum cleaners of the whole world. Yeah. Uh, and I think done right, there there are certainly uses uh, in uh, search. I wouldn't use AI in search per se, but I, for instance, I use, as you know, I've been trying to find a Google alternative. I use this paid search now since Neva went under called Kagi. And Kagi has the... <laughs> You're kind of sad, Leo. It's oh, pathetic, man. I know. It says, let's fetch, dot, dot, dot. <sighs> but no, it's... Okay, that, give me a... That, you're fetching? Give me a search term. I'll fetch the... Uh, give me a, give me something to... I'll search for Paris Martin, though. Because you know more than anybody oh. what it should say about you, right? And in fact, look, yeah. the auto autocomplete has a picture of you. There we go. I'm going to click it. Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, you know. there's your website. Oh, there's my website. There's your you Wired when you were at cat, Wired. You know. Yeah, yeah. Right? There's old pictures of you. There's so some images. The three and a half year old stories rather than the current stories. Well, no, I think Listen, this is... A, you know, there it is. I Reporter mean, of the information. Well... There's your information link. I will link. say, to Kagi's defense, and this may be the only time I say that sentence, uh, <laughs> the information only recently became easily searchable by oh, Google. Really? So... Uh, Kagi is. Uh, it might, yeah, you know, it might be. Uh, but here's an interesting a, thing. Let Kagi me, might be good off that. Let me, um, let me uh, take a uh, one of your clips. How about that? You've got a, on your page a long, strange trip for the Uber for nurses, right? So this is an article you wrote for the information. Let me go back to Kagi. Mm-hmm. Get ready for this because at the bottom of uh, the Kagi page, they have something called Summarizer. It oh. has a bottom. That's unique. This might be. Not work for Coggy because the information has a paywall, but yeah, doesn't well, let's I see. believe you. Oh, yeah, you're right. I didn't even think of that. Okay, let's see. You should see. do a, a Wired mm-hmm. article. Yeah, I should. Well, it has a paywall, too. But this is going to... Well, sell. but not as hard. To me, it's this is what really AI could do that- well. Now, look, I guess it went through the paywall. Here's the summary, the, the bullet points from your article. Yeah, no, this is the top. This is the unpaywall Whoa. That's the part. top. Okay. So, I yeah, but you get the idea. Go, I think go to a... Yeah. That's, that's useful. Cool. I think yeah. that is right? very cool. So um, you add the uh, the the Bard. Uh, he says you don't use Google, but you got to use Google to figure out what's going on. You can add the Bard box to Google search. So every time you search for something, the box comes up there. So and let's Bard do says, the same. I'll tell you something about this. So here I am on Bard Google. Box is the sequel to Bird Box that no one asked for. <laughs> Pretty much. Where is Pretty Bard much. Box? And I don't see it. it Where it. Well, you've got to you've got to install that as an it's a different extension, but you install that on Google. If you go to bard.google.com and then and then install that as an extension, it'll show, show up. The weird thing for me is it changes languages constantly. And I asked once, why are you showing me Persian? Because you're using the Persian keyboard. No, I'm not. Well, that's oh, I'm sorry. I'm just a development machine. I don't know anything. Yeah, that's exactly the kind of hallucinations that worry me. The whole uh, language. Yeah. Uh, although that was one thing Google showed at the event today is that you can dictate in, 
I think this is something probably not a lot of people are going to use, but you can dictate text messages in multiple languages at once. Like you can well, start in English and then, people. and then fade yeah. into Spanish, and then switch you listen into to my Italian. students, they go back and forth like crazy. Okay, so maybe there is a, a use. Did you watch that is actually very on... impressive from a like well, it language is. parsing the perspective. The fact that it can tell being the able to yeah. yes. have both of those and then also turn that into translated speech or not translated but written speech, fantastic. Yeah. Now I spoke with you a, did, a State did... Department group of journalists, Go ahead. Belarus Belarusian journalists, and they're trying to learn English. That's why there was there. I spoke slowly to them so they could hear my English, and uh, I talked about Heijen. And they were just like, wow. Have you seen that, Leo, I assume? What? What's a, what? Who? Agen? Yeah, we talked about that last week. Last with, week. Uh, Mr. Howell. It, it's phenomenal because it will uh, record video. It will translate. It'll translate and speak it in your tone of voice. Oh, yeah. It sounds like you and move your lips. It looked really good. Really so we're interested in this because Spotify has announced for podcasts the ability to take an existing podcast like this one and in our voices translate it into another language. And I think, I mean, one of the things I would do love they, to do is like make Twig available in South America, for instance, in Spanish-speaking countries. Or the German version. Or German. That, that would be, be awesome. fantastic. Yeah. Spotify also said, we're dancing around here, that they're going to put up full transcripts, which I think would make great sense for you. Well, we already do that. We already have English language. Well, now you can add but now we can have foreign what I'm, language. What I'm saying is, yeah. Now you can add language and you can add summary, not just of the show notes, but the audience can query the uh, transcripts. And what service do you use for the transcripts here right now? Podium. Is that another AI one? Yeah, it's an AI. Mm -hmm. We just started using it. We were using human uh, written transcripts. We had just signed a deal when all of the, when Whisper AI and all these came out, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Um, but uh, it's Podium dot. It's not dot com. That's another company. Um, Probably a Podium salesman. <laughs> podium for, dot you know, salesman. Actually. I can't remember now. Let's see. Anyway. I really like Trint is what I use for uh, Trint. all my recordings. Oh, yeah. podium pay, podium Trint is great because Trint you can search. Podium.co. by a journalist. Dot page. No, nope, it's dot page. Here it is. Oh, dot page. Hey, there you are on the yeah. homepage. What? Um, Fun. So... This what this does give us is fairly good transcripts. They're getting better at speaker recognition. So it'll say speaker one, two, three, and four, but then our, our editor can say no. Speaker one is Paris Martineau, and it will then fix that. It's also getting uh, it, so it's getting pretty good transcripts. And then we're using uh, Anthropics Claude to do show notes out of that. To in other words, what I just did with the summarizer Akagi summarize the show, and then so I think more and more but, we but are able to use AI to automate that. Is you could also put up the transcripts and allow the 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 audience to come in and say, "Tell me everything that Twit said this week." Yes, about exactly. And that, but you could do right. that now with with one of these summarizers, right? We don't have to even mm -hmm. do that, right? I think. So I don't know. You mentioned. So you're Paris. saying is no one has to listen to this show? Stop it! Is Stop it! What is wrong on. with you? <laughs> they can just listen to a you know an artificial version of you reading the summary of what you did, and your lips will move along with it. Okie dokie. Boy, she arrives one half hour later. She's killed the whole enterprise. <laughs> Sorry, Jeez. guys. Oh, We're here done. is the uh, here is the uh, uh, affiliate link for Podium. Is podium.twit.tv. I didn't know we had an affiliate link. 
Awesome. Tools for podcasters. So you mentioned this, Paris, and I thought this was interesting. The one weird new feature that nobody had leaked of the new Pixel 8 uh, and 8 Pro is a temperature sensor. And they said now you can aim your phone at your stove to see if the eggs are at the right temperature. And coming soon with FDA approval, you'll be able to use your phone to tell you what temperature you are. Which I thought, I have one of those infrared, you know, uh, it's a looks like a gun, but it's thermometer. not. Thermometer. Oh, thermometer. So you aim it like inside an oven. <laughs> a meter. A thermometer. Thermometer that measures temperatures. <laughs> And you, that's useful I will say for, I was ready to make fun of this, but as someone who has lost a little stick and poke thermometer, I use to check if my salmon is cooked. Exactly. Having it on my phone would be very yeah. convenient. But don't stick your phone in the salmon. I mean, <laughs> please. Sometimes I can't really control where the phone ends up, but I'm not going to hold that against it as far as temperature reading goes. I think it's Jason meant for kind of wondering that in the it's, show today. It's meant for reading surface temperatures, not internal yeah. salmon yeah. temperatures. Yeah. Uh, but I use I use the the little gun thermometer uh, for pizza ovens and things like that because you want to make sure oh, that the right temperature yeah. before you put it in. That's what I got it for. Um, so that's useful if it's accurate. We don't know if it's accurate. I want to know how this feature came about. I mean, it had to be like a COVID era. We should add a thermometer oh, to this. It came from twenty twenty. You're right? exactly right. Yeah, like that's got to right. be You're it. Right. Yeah. And then they were like, okay, wait, COVID's over. We got to find something else. Eggs. Oh, that's hysterical. <laughs> Oh my God, that's hysterical! You're right. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's syncopated development. I tell you, I, I'm reluctant after buying the Pixel tablet. After mm. Google has done, it's killed Stadia. Has I am very reluctant to buy a Google product of any kind. I just I've lost that's faith their in them. They're better known for killing them than starting them, which is really a shame. And, you know, I still have faith in, I think we spoke about this. Somebody asked me about this. But I, I have more faith in them with phones because they're controlling the stack a little more with the Tensor. Uh, well, uh, look at the Jamboard, right? This is the whiteboard that uh, they put out that you bought for a lot of money. A lot of money. We have, we have a whole bunch of those at my school. They're I deprecating them at the end of the year or end of 2024. When, when did they come out? How Where are you going to jam? <laughs> How do you jam? <laughs> um, they came out not that long ago. And I have I have colleagues who five thousand dollars. They yeah. uh, like three or four years after their release, they're saying, "Yeah, we give up." That's to me. This is what this is why they got to stop doing this. Have some commitment. So it makes me very well, nervous to buy anything from Google these days. Again, that, uh, that that still points to leadership, in my opinion. I agree. You know, you're saying to have some commitment or what have you, but how about leadership going in and looking at the research and saying, all right, what other what is the competition in this space? Do we stand a chance or can we take, you know, a, a fair amount of the market? You mean before the market, they sell all? before they right. sell them, before they right. sell twenty five thousand dollar devices to a school. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then leave them out, you know leave them hanging to dry there at the end when there's no support for them. That's, that's, that's the Jamboard will no longer receive software updates on September 30th, 2024, a year from now. And it's licensed subscriptions will expire the same day. Companies and schools with an upcoming renewal may remain subscribers up to that date at a prorated amount. 
uh, end of life September, October they've got 1. got it perfect for back to school. You know? <laughs> it's dying in the first month of school. It's, yeah. it's gone. I mean, to your point, Ant, though, I think that this is maybe like... I think there's that meme, you know, of everything and Google ends up in a graveyard. Yeah, but I think yeah. it's more of a symptom of Google being such a large and unusually decentralized kind of organization, uh, at least in comparison to, you know, your Facebooks or Metas and whatnot of the world. Like Apple, at the very least, you don't have all these different teams working on products that some of which end up being perhaps the same product and they end up releasing them around the same time. But at Google, that sort of thing happens Somewhat often. This but is the the site we talk about all the time, killed by, Google, killed by Google.com, and there it is right at the top. Jamboard, right. then podcast, then, then Google Domains, Google Optimize. I didn't even know about that. Killed five days okay, ago. Google Domains is crazy to me. Did, did they kill <laughs> that? They sold it to Squarespace? Yes. Yeah, they gave yeah. them over to... Squarespace, uh, right? Squarespace, yeah. But, but Paris, I wonder whether in a decentralized organization, would it be easier to hide... Like, don't tell anybody they still have Blogger going after all these years. Yeah, they do. Isn't I mean, wild? yes, I think obviously it's easier to keep some of these pet projects alive for longer, but that's also why they end up developing these kind of cult uh, followings because they're able to grow. And then someone's like, why the hell do we have Blogger? Why the hell do we still have, are spending this much on Jamboard every year? And someone higher up in the totem pole decides to, you know, cut that from the budget line for their uh, larger team. And you end up with a lot of dissatisfied customers, which I guess would be obviously I think if Google was run in a somewhat different way where every product release was something that you had buy in from from the highest levels of the company, you wouldn't have as much innovation and it'd be a very different Google than the one we have now. But you would have that trade off. <laughs> and uh, we have a, a, a billboard that we were thinking uh, we would put up on the Highway 101 out here in Northern California, uh, featuring your image, I think, uh, Paris. So- I think that's, that's great, you know. Um, fantastic. Uh- Says, this is our marketing department at work right away, got right to work. Uh, so what I you're saying, nobody listens to the people are really clamoring for this. Yeah. <laughs> so great. So great. Thank you, Joe. Listen, you set me up for one, Leo. I'm just going to yeah, write just down hit him right out. That's that's what your job is right here. See, see she, she thought that, that being on a show about Google meant coming in and killing things, even the show. Yeah, even the show. <laughs> that's true. You know, right. I was being on brand, really. I take the name This Week in Google very seriously, and that means killing all of my It lasts <laughs> this week, and then it's gone oh lord <laughs> uh all right let's take a little break uh i we i think we've said everything there is to be said we i will get the uh, new pixel 8 pro a week from uh, tomorrow so i'll have it for uh, two weeks from now do you, um, seriously do you have a workspace account we we use Google Workspace at work, yeah, but I don't. It's not my personal. Account. I want to see if you can test whether or not you can get the, or, or I guess the the AI stuff isn't isn't in it yet. That's coming later. Yeah, but I can test it for you. Yeah, it's not it's not out yeah. yet. Oh well, that's um, the key. I, I so I will be that. logging into my Google Fi account when it comes, and that's one of the reasons I got it because I have a, I use Fi, their cell phone company, which I'm sure is next on the block, uh, and so. <laughs> <laughs> Come to think of it, yeah, didn't think about that. I didn't even think about that. Um, so I'll put that on there. But I could log it in instead to Leo at twit.tv. We use uh, Workspace yeah, for all of, for the company. To see what works? And yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give it a try uh, um, when that time comes. Now, if you buy it with Fi and get the four hundred bucks off, can you then say, "Oh, and hell with it! I'm going to put a Verizon chip in." Well, that's a good in? question. It's unlocked. Yeah, it's I unlocked, guess so. right? Yeah, you can do that. yeah. yeah. 
I, I don't know. That's don't tell that. Don't say say that out loud. Ruth Borat will kill it. Yeah, Ruth's a huge twig fan. She listens all the time. Mm. She knows what to what to kill based on what we say, Paris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, listen, I, she's coming for the podcast next. <laughs> Fortunately, she doesn't own this show. Uh, in fact, if apparently she did. This is this is more we've talked more about Google on on this show today than we ever do, like in years. So let's stop. I was about to say, is this allowed? Do we have to stop talking? (laughs) And we haven't even gotten to Chromebook Plus. Yes. Well, we'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, Because that's that's your voice as you say Chromebook Plus. (laughs) There's an irony Uh, in all that. Watch it, Paris. Watch it. You're getting getting close to the nerves here. (laughs) (laughs) Our show today brought to you by our good friends at Collide. K-O-L. I-D-E. Collide is a device trust solution for companies using Okta. And it ensures that if a device isn't... Now, this is this is the difference here. If a device isn't trusted and secure, it can't log into your cloud apps. You know, Okta protects you because it makes sure that the person logging into your cloud apps is authenticated, is, uh, is authorized. But what about that person's devices? If you work in security or IT and your company's using Okta, this message is for you. One thing you might have noticed in the last few years, the majority of data breaches and hacks you read about all have something in common. Employees. Now, I love our employees, but that's that's the common point of attack for bad guys. Sometimes an employee's device gets hacked because of unpatched software. Sometimes an employee might leave sensitive data in an unsecure place or maybe it seems like every day a hacker breaks in using credentials fished from an employee but the problem isn't your end users it's the solutions you're using that are designed and supposed to protect against those breaches it does not have to happen that way imagine if you will a world where only secure devices can access your cloud apps in this world, fished credentials, useless to hackers. You can manage every operating system, Windows, Mac, even Linux, from a single dashboard. Best of all, you can get employees, this is so cool, you can get employees to fix their own device security issues without creating more work for your IT team. And that has a great side benefit because the employees are now on the on your side. They're on your team. They're part of your defense. Well, here's the good news. You do not have to imagine this world. You can just start using Collide. Visit K-O-L-I-D-E, collide.com slash twig. Book an on-demand demo today. See how it works for yourself. Collide, K-O-L-I-D-E, collide.com slash twig. Get that on-demand demo. I think you'll be very, very impressed. You're watching This Week in Google. Jeff Jarvis, Aunt Pruitt, and Paris Martineau joining us in seat number three. Um, All right, let's talk about Chromebooks for gaming. The irony is Google just killed Stadia. <laughs> so you get the feeling this is another case of Google uh, saying, oh, you know, it'd be great to work with Stadia. We could have our Chromebooks stream games using Stadia. And so they worked on that and then they killed Stadia. And so what what are they going to do? They, they're going to kill Chromebook Plus? No, they went ahead because now Microsoft or Amazon or... NVIDIA can benefit. <laughs> it's just crazy. Uh, are you going to buy one of these, Jeff? I know you're a Chromebook fanatic. It doesn't work now, and the microphone doesn't work, so i got to buy a new one. Oh. It's a Pixelbook Go. It's the last Google one. 
Um, Which I, I love. Way, was, yeah. Or no, not I, the Go. I, I like the Pixel Book. Well, I, I love my old Pixel Book. Yeah, I miss those. Um, may it rest in peace. They were yeah. the first horrible things they killed. Um, so the the expensive HP one was what I thought I was going to get. Um, Kevin liked the, likes the... Um, Kevin Tofel at aboutchromebooks.com. What does he like? Which one? The the 714. Well, he's always like that. But is that a Chromebook like that Plus? I was debating that one, too. The Samsung one that came out two years ago, I liked, but it's it's old now. So I was waiting for Plus. And these are running $399, $499. They're, they're less expensive. I just don't know what the build and screen quality is going to be like. And, and battery. So these are, are these, not one of the specs. So one of the things they're promoting, I even see ads for gaming on Chromebooks. Is this... These aren't the gaming Chromebooks that we've been talking no, about. No, 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 uh, no. This is just this is trying to set a, a base level for a serious Chromebook. And so now there's going to be kind of three kinds of Chromebooks. There's Chromebook for gaming, the highest end. Those are using i3s right. and i5 uh, Intel processors uh, and better screens, presumably. They say 120. And along with them, the really expensive $1,000 ones from HP. I think it's the ultra premium called yeah. Chromebook. And don't laugh at me for saying that. And then there's the Chromebook Plus, which is adding things like, I guess it has an NPU or, or neural processing unit of some kind. So it's doing yeah. more with AI. Video calls are even better, they say. Uh, they've got magic eraser in it, things like that. And then there's the normal crappy Chromebook that you have. Buy it for your <laughs> No, no, no. I have the. I, this is a thousand dollar machine. Oh, not a crappy one. Okay, sir. Well, all right. Your uh, your Chromebook that doesn't have a working touch screen and has something else broken. That's the not crappy one. Hey, hey! Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did jabs? Yeah, jabs. Oh my God. Go at him. I'm sorry. This is you know. I'm just happy you're not attacking me. That's all. Thrilled. Listen, I will, you did really get me with the idea of a gaming Chromebook. Um, really? Do you want a gaming Chromebook? That. Really? No, I don't. I have a Steam Deck. So, but yeah, that's the much idea. I've, I'm getting more into gaming on things that aren't a Nintendo Switch. So why why not have a gaming Chromebook? You know, it, it, is it strictly because this Stream Deck is just more portable? You put it in your your backpack or what have you? Um, personally, it's honestly because being on a computer reminds me of being at work, uh, yeah. and okay. I can't this really like think switch. of the idea of enjoying myself yeah. while sitting down in a little laptop typey type yeah. mode. Um, I feel you. So I do really enjoy. I also just love the handheld aspect. I don't really take it my Steam Deck anywhere, but I love sitting on my couch. With it feels the like Steam you Deck could, handheld. if you were yeah. ever to leave the house. Yes, you know, <laughs> I just want the, uh, the Marriott. I want the option of being able to run out into the street at a given moment and still play Baldur's Gate three wall. Okay, you know, pacing. Oh, right. Baldur's Gate, are you into it? Yes, yes. I'm but you don't. You play that on into it. Really, you play it on Steam. Uh, yeah. yeah, I have logged like 200 hours in Baldur's Gate. It's really <gasps> embarrassing. It's taking over my whole life. What, uh, uh, what character? It's going to be my pick of the wow. week, you know. Oh, okay. We'll save it, save it, save it. We'll, we'll, save we'll it. ask you Sorry, about it later. Sorry, tell me more about how good Chromebooks are, Jeff, please. <laughs> I don't want to hate in your love. So here's the Chromebook. I do mean that sincerely. <laughs> here's the, here's, so I, that's why I was confused. So they have this Chromebook Plus, but they have an even higher end version of Chromebook yeah, yeah. designed for gaming. And see, I would think this is what you would want, Jeff. Not because you want a Probably. game, but because it's going to have the, the highest the edge features. The non-gaming version of that with the high yeah. end chip and, and, and so on. Yeah, I don't think you care about an RGB gaming keyboard. 
I certainly do not. I'll turn that off immediately. <laughs> it's sad, though. I mean, they announced you're this. You're going to have like, your multicolors like as you type away your lecture. Yeah. And then they say, play your favorite games on leading cloud gaming platforms. And I'm sure they wanted Stadia to be in this group. <laughs> but it's uh, gone. So it's Xbox, uh, GeForce Now, and Luna. Yeah, well, it's, it's Paris' theory gaming of the on this work? Like, because it's, it's streaming. browser-based because Chrome, yeah, right? It's browser-based gaming, yeah. exactly. Mm. And they do have some graphics capabilities, which is kind of interesting. Uh, better displays, 120 hertz refresh rate displays. But it's all streaming. It has to be with streaming. This is, so which maybe this is what you should... Maybe this is what you look at as, uh, you know, like uh, you, if, if, you know, he liked the Acer Spin, this is basically the gaming version. Except you don't really want that keyboard. No, I do not. I do not. I will never understand how streaming in in the gaming space is optimal. I, I, it just doesn't make sense. Well, it's not optimal. It seems like the latency would be a bit of a, a pain in the That's butt. That's right. It's not optimal. It's just what you, it's just, it's but cheaper. But people are still offering it. You know, here here's game here's a gaming device that you can't connect to the internet unless it's wireless and, and I I don't get that. Yeah. I don't I don't see why that makes sense. But apparently people are buying these products. Yeah, I was gonna say I play video games because I don't want to be connected to the internet. Like that is I guess like top three reasons as to why I'm playing a video game. But I don't know. Apparently, I, I think that also cost is probably a factor. It's probably well, easier to have a machine that's able to stream this than have it all mm-hmm. within it. I think Here's Microsoft, NVIDIA, Amazon, and Google all would like streaming gaming to be a thing. And I think gamers try it and then go, yeah, no. I <laughs> honestly don't think... I bet it's also probably also about control that, you know, then you're going... You don't have the games locally, which right. is already a huge right. trend in the gaming industry. You have to connect through this portal. They can change kind of the terms of that agreement pretty much at any time. If you, you know, miss your monthly payment, your games are gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They like uh, The that. other thing I think, Paris, is that I'm not a gamer and I would like oh, really? to try some games. <laughs> I would like to get into it, but I'm not going to go buy a whole bunch of equipment yeah. for doing something and saying, oh, well, okay, that's that. So yeah. if I could stream games on my machine... And maybe I'd get into it. But yeah. the problem is that's yeah. not a, that's not very much of a demographic you want to build for for gaming. You want yeah. to build for you. Gamer curious is not no. a huge like no. tan. That's otherwise yeah. known as closer. Right. Which <laughs> so <laughs> the new Chromebook <laughs> Plus specs require an Intel I three or better. Or and I would look for this actually, AMD Ryzen seven thousand series. That might be better, frankly. A ten eighty P IPS display, ten eighty P webcam. 8 gigs of RAM and 120 gigs of storage. Those are the minimal, That's minimal specs. Yeah. They're going to include Google Photos, Magic Eraser, and other editing tools, offline file sync, AI-powered video conferencing, uh, and things like lighting, noise I'm not cancellation. not sure what that means. We already yeah, have why do we need AI-powered for video conferencing? Yeah. Well, I'll give you an example. And they showed this noise in the Google event this morning is the noise cancellation. Mm. They were really yeah. hot oh, on okay. how you can right. have your microphone and the baby's you want to record the baby going goo goo gaga, but there's a dog barking in the background, and or I could teach class from the beach. You could teach class from the beach. They wouldn't even know. <laughs> That's huge. Where they wouldn't even know, except they'd be blinded by your bright, shiny white knees. And if you, <laughs> you know, they've never seen sunlight. They've never seen sunlight. That's right. In a few months, <laughs> you're right because. 
Jeff, you feel as I do that men should not wear shorts. No, no. I also, <laughs> I don't like getting sand in my socks and I don't go to the beach. Yeah. Don't. Okay. Here's a little tip. Next time you go to the beach, don't wear socks. <laughs> that, you know. But I mean, then how is he going to keep his knees from? Oh, that's a good yeah, point. Is that the over the knees socks? Wear, yeah. Do you wear socks? Do you wear thigh highs? Is that what you're wearing? <laughs> It's harder to get the yeah. uh, the sand in there if the if the things go all the way up to your thighs. I think Joe, can you get to work on this? I want a picture of Jeff Jarvis <laughs> at the beach in shorts yeah, wearing the thigh highs, you, black no. thigh highs oh, with boy. sandals. Can you get to work on that? No, Joe, no, no. You like me, don't you, Joe? Prices for the Chromebook Plus will range from four hundred to seven hundred bucks. Acer, Asus, HP, and Lenovo. Uh, they all come with a. Well, this is interesting. Three month subscription to Photoshop on the web. How is how good is that, Ann? Is that useful at all? Yeah, it's pretty good. You have to use Chrome though. You can't use um Well, good news. That's pleasure. all you can you use, have to on use a Chromebook. Pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. You have to use Chrome and you have to use Edge. Um but yeah, it's pretty good. They they've had this out for a while beta wise and it's it's gotten better. For and students, it'd be great to be able to start to use this stuff streaming and not have to buy all this expensive Mac stuff. Yeah. Equipment. Uh, they also include a subscription, a uh, uh, trial subscription to GeForce Now, in which is, I'm sure, be, it must just really grind the gears of the of the Stadia people. Yeah. Like, dude, we <laughs> we were making that, we were doing that, man. Wow, that's sad. That's sad. Maybe the Stadia people got nice severance checks. Who knows? I hope. Uh, one of the things Paul Thorat was saying, oh, I'm sure they did. Uh, one of the things Paul Thorat was saying is. <laughs> Uh, that Microsoft needs to take Chromebooks seriously, that Microsoft needs to get in a classroom, that they need a product like Chromebook. So he he feels like Microsoft's missing a bet by not having a Chromebook-like product for schools. Yeah. I think well, right. the last time they tried, or well, maybe it wasn't necessarily Microsoft that tried this, but the netbooks reminds me of exactly. all the Chromebooks. That's what I brought up. And that was pretty craptastic back then. Yep. Oh, they were bad. Yep. Paris, to answer your question from 10 minutes ago, why Chromebooks? It, I, I, all I ever really do is the web, and I never bother about updates and apps and reg files and anything. It is just so mindlessly easy. I also I did it part because I'm on That's a show called This Week at Google, and I thought I should really go deep into the Google thing. That's why I started, but I love it. I, I, I wouldn't go back. I feel like it's I a perfect with you use case it. then. I'm someone who has too many apps running at all times that I only shut down for recording this sort of show um, could never be me. But I do respect your browser-based lifestyle. (laughs) Browser-based lifestyle, yes. Uh, I have generated... Oh no! What did you generate? Oh, do. <laughs> I have uh, generated an image of Jeff on the beach in his shorts with his black oh, socks on. It's a lie because there's no socks there. Oh yeah, wait a minute. Yeah, I, I have another one with sock socks. Free. I did say socks. Let's uh, <laughs> one, two, three. Let's upscale number three, and uh, and I will give you that one. With the socks. There you go. I think that's there a good... There we go. That's you. Right there. There we go. I really like the socks, yet the toes. <laughs> the toes out. Yeah. Well, because that helps with the sand. Then it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's a good invention. Really good, yeah. 
Oh, man. <laughs> I didn't say Jeff Jarvis. I just said an old man. So I'll try to. I don't know if it knows you. I need to Photoshop Oh, that was another thing Google showed at the Pixel 8 event. And I thought that was really good. When you're doing mm-hmm. a group shot, we do this every year for our... I'm going to try this with the new phone on our Christmas picture, Ann. We do this every yeah. year. There's always somebody, because there's 20 people in the Christmas picture going, eh, or with his eyes closed, <laughs> or Burke making a weird smile being, being and, who he is and so what you can do in a group photo is tap on the people's heads and it'll show you because take a bunch of photos right and then it'll show you all the right. different f- pictures of that person and you could pick for each person the best shot and that's assemble it now if that does a good job that's really good i think that's a nice so, feature. So insert um deep fake moral panic here it's not a deep so fake where they're already no where it's got already. the image i mean it is it is a you know snapped. deep fake in the sense that that picture doesn't Never exist existed. and it is an amalgamation of yeah. other pictures. It's kind of a a human centipede of a deep fake. Well, it could be it could be that that you're sneering at me for something I say, but then the photo can be can be replaced to make you smile at me, and that's mm. kind of a lot. <laughs> Just like what most ads are already doing now for the last couple of decades via True. Photoshop. Um, I think you guys are terrible. This is not that. This is you just have a family photo and the kids. Uh, I'll, uh, I agree with you. I'm he not brought, saying it's moral panic. panic. I guarantee it you was were here. <laughs> it was him that brought yeah, it up. So I agree paranoid. with you. I think it's a good tool. Yeah, I think it'd be a good tool for families yeah, to fix. I agree. Stuff. I'm just for that group text panic. or that group <laughs> Slack channel. Right you know. Uh, I will say this would be a perfect product for my mother who hates every photo ever taken of her. Yeah. And for that. That's yeah. right. That's right. Here, mom, now you got a choice. Just tap it and fix it. I was like, just yeah. pick the one that you like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like any of them. Here, Ma, here's all the images. Like my picture taken. Yeah. Um, so here, I'll show you. Just as, This is the Google event. I'll show you. So, so one of the things she, she's talking about right now is audio magic eraser. improve the uh, audio eraser that will take background noise out, which is cool. Them into distinct layers that you can control. So here's the picture. Oh wait a minute, this is the baby with the dog. Noise cancellation. I actually think the dog is part of the charm of it. I would take the baby out. No, that's really good. <laughs> Personally, that leave the, is really good. Take the baby, leave the impressive. dog. But Leo, go a second before that. Didn't it? Did, and she said layers. I think what was before that showed the layers, and you could affect each one. Yeah. But if you look at it closely or listen closely while she's doing it, you'll hear that weird phasing in the background that you get when you have digital processing. And they downplayed that, but I think you would notice it, to be honest. is so efficient. Not only does it run more ML models, more complex models, but in many cases, it runs them concurrently. This which is, is their why Tensor it chip. delivers so many unbelievably helpful experiences that no other phone can. The clear calling is pretty cool. Let me find this is the camera, the uh, the video. The conditions. Like when you're trying to take the group photo over and over and over again, only to find somebody is always blinking or rolling their eyes. Group photos are Mom. But Pixel gives you the option to make them easier. This is kind of cool. So each face you could choose a best take. Google Photos. Best take uses a series of photos taken closer together 
to help you create the shot you want. Now, for this to work, you'll obviously you have to take the, a bunch of photos without people moving. Right. Yeah. And you can hear the Google employees in the front row, yeah. by the way. Wait, wait, wait. You're that's already photo. standing there with the with the same perspective. You're, you're not on a tripod, but it's you're making it easy for the AI to be able to cycle through the different. But we do that, don't we? Shots. I mean, when we take yeah. the Christmas shot, we go. Ju, 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 ju. Yeah. Uh, the other thing they showed, which is kind of cool, I sometimes will do this. I don't know where I got the idea, uh, but I say, okay, act surprised, and everybody's surprised. Okay, act grumpy, and everybody's grumpy. Okay, happy, happy. And do three selfies right. that way. But you could right. actually do that and then pick the pictures you like. Yep. She looked the mother in that shot, end up shot, looked weird. Well, I will say, I noticed that as well. The chin area yeah, yeah. Exactly. is strange. And that's the problem is you, when you do this demo real quickly, it all, oh, it looks so cool. And then Lost if you look at, if you pixel peep it, if you pixel peep it, well, You're let it cook. Nice let's see, look at the. Uh, Let's look at the images. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't... See? Her head doesn't match her neck. No, it doesn't. Yeah. yeah Which is an odd choice to, to learn. It's generative for... AI, and it's going to have to learn over time. Okay, Just but it's it not time. there yet, clearly. Right. They said December. It is strange to use that as the demo, though. Yeah. I mean, why not... Choose one that looks. <laughs> Wait a minute. Look, we're 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 expecting polish here from from Google. Really? Come on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This wasn't Sorry. the most polished. Not, event. That... not the most polished event. All oh, right. someone in the chat pointed out my last name is misspelled in the lower third. Thank you, chat. I did. Oh, not it is not even close. Myself. <laughs> that is not even. <laughs> Listen, is you there know, a missing something and there. Similarly, my last name is misspelled, and I think the uh, what's it called. Twitter handle, X handle. Oh my God. M A R T I N E A U. Are you true. French? Is your family French? Is that. Yeah, family is French. Are they from Paris? Uh, um, or just like it? They're from a like small town in like southern France that I'm forgetting the name of, but we at some point went back and like found the church oh, nice. that like my great 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 grandfather got baptized oh, cool. in or whatever. It was fun. Oh, yeah. That's really cool. Uh, all right. I'm going to take a little break. Come back. We have more to discuss. God, that was a lot of Google. That's enough to last An us for hour a hour worth of Google in, in yeah. a show. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, is well, every episode? We hit our like Q4 no. quota. We're done for Q4. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we got it all, man. We did it. Um, Paris Martino, great to have you. Thank you for being here. She's at the information. Yay. What's your beat? You cover, I know you cover like big tech, huh? right? Yeah, my beat. As of this year, is kind of just features and investigations on uh, oh, nice. interesting subjects. So you get to choose. I will say, yeah. I mean, the last nine months or so, it's been a lot about uh, startups doing fraud or oh, um, that sort of stuff, which yeah. is fun. Yeah. <laughs> I have. Uh, I didn't realize the information is ten years old now. I've been subscribing yeah. since it yeah. launched, and incredibly happy. Uh, it is a, one of the reasons I subscribe is there's so many scoops and we are often reporting uh, on what the information uh, has said about all this stuff. And so is the rest of technology media. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been really nice to work at a place that has like a sustainable and profitable business model that truly the um, the state like the way we operate is hire good reporters let them do work that is important and break news and not much else so it's quite nice bravo uh jessica's lesson who 
has been on our shows and was a reporter herself. I think she was at the Wall Street Journal uh, yeah. at the last and decided, you know what? I'm going to stop working for the big companies and do my own thing. And it's put together. I will say, Leo, I think thing. one of the things that uh, pushed her, changed the needle for her was she had to do some cover some sort of event like this Google event today. I think it was an <laughs> Apple like uh, day. And she was like, why am I live blogging this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I should start my own company. I know her. I know the feeling. <laughs> I started my own company so I could live blog it, and that was where I went horribly. Well, Jason is the one who knows the feeling because he had to get up at seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Well, now yes. I have people to do that for me. Yeah. Kudos to <laughs> Mister Howell. Aunt Pruitt is also here. You've put together some very exciting new events in our uh, in our club Twit Discord tomorrow. You're interviewing mm-hmm. John Scalzi, the esteemed one of my favorite sci-fi authors. Is that his latest yeah. starter villain? Starter Villains, this is his latest one. They sent me an advanced copy, and I will be finishing it tonight. As you can see, I'm almost done with it. I'll finish it tonight just in time for my interview with him tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to it. That should be fun. This is a fun book, and he's done some great books. He will also, uh, his book uh, will kaiju, um, what is it called? Preservation Society. Kaiju Preservation Society will be... um, the subject of Stacy's book club next month. So that's right, November. Mm-hmm. Renee Ritchie, former uh, host on uh, MacBreak Weekly, now creator liaison at YouTube in a fireside chat in November. And then it's the old farts, Jeff Jarvis, me, and Doc Searles <laughs> in our shorts and black socks it, at, uh, at the beach in our shorts at with the our beach. Socks yeah, and yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. That's December seventh, the day that we'll live in. Infamy, many, many other events. If you're not yet a member of Club Twit, that's how you get the ad-free versions of all these shows. That's how you get into the Club Twit Discord with all the special shows that we put together, like Hands on Macintosh, Hands on Windows, the Untitled Linux show, Scott Wilkinson's Home Theater Geeks, and on and on and on. Uh, it also is how you get that good feeling in your heart because you know you're supporting uh, what we're doing here uh, at Twit. Twit.tv slash Club Twit. And Pruitt, of course, community manager, so... He, he does a great job putting together our programs. Are you going to be uh, participating in the uh, escape box? Yes, sir. We have our escape room coming up on October 26th. Um, I'm, I'm a, a tad bit nervous because Mr. Burke is going to be in there, too. Oh, dear. Who, who knows what the heck he's going oh, to pull out. So, uh, I mean, Lisa and again, I we've and We've already Aunt. said before, if, if we're going to be trapped on a deserted island, most people have said they want to be trapped on a deserted island with either me or Mr. Burke. So, so um, you're like the I professor. Okay. Uh, Burke is like Gilligan. I'll be honest. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, but you never know. We'll find out. That'll be fun. October 26th. He's the sledgehammer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Twit.tv slash club twit if you're not already a member. And thanks if you are. Our show today brought to you by, oh, I love these guys, Fast Mail. Uh, I've been a Fast Mail subscriber for more than a decade. And I've said this over and over again. If mail, if email is important to you, Stop using free email services. You're not going to get support. You're you're a product, not the customer. You need fast mail. Email for people who care about their privacy. I have been such a fast mail fan. It's got all the tools I want. Uh, They use the open source Cyrus server. They contribute back to it all the time. They also establish standards for authentication. Uh, I have all of my domains hosted the dns hosted at fastmail you can do that and the reason i do that is because not only do i you know they do a great job of that they also 
give me email at those addresses. And it uses DKIM and SPF and all the email authentication protocols. So it's a really great way to have an infinite number of email addresses. If you're a business and you're, you know, you're still at hotmail.com, can you stop? Go to Fastmail and have your own domain name. They sell domain names now at Fastmail. They set up all the records for you so it works immediately. Or you can bring your own, which is what I did, uh, which gives you the ability to both send and receive emails from your own domain. You can have multiple uh, email, infinite email addresses at that domain. Uh, Fastmail has, of course, will work with all existing email clients, so it's easy to move over from anything that you're using. They have a great webmail interface themselves. I think you'll really like it. They also have apps for iOS and Android. They have quick settings in their interface from the quick settings menu. Without even leaving the mailbox, you can choose a new theme, switch between light mode and dark mode, change your text size. Uh, there are all sorts of options related to the Fastmail screen you're uh, viewing. You can create masked email addresses uh, with one of our sponsors, Bitwarden, or or one password. That's a great way to even uh, greatly secure, even more greatly secure your uh, logins because not only do you have a unique password for every site, but you have a unique email for every site. It all goes in your Fastmail inbox, but. But it doesn't look like your fast mail email. It's a unique email each time. You can generate new masked email addresses. Um, you can auto save contacts. I do that, and then I have a very, they have a very powerful Civ scripting language that will really help you organize your inbox. Of course, it's great for getting rid of spam too. So when I am getting an email conversation with somebody, that person's added to my contact list. And then I have a rule that says, well, if somebody's sending me email and they're in my contact list, put them in the important folder because I know them. That, is, that by itself is a, it's one of the best filters ever. You can uh, use it for calendars and address book too. In fact, I've gotten rid of Google entirely. And now sync on my Macs and on my PCs and on my Linux boxes with Fastmail's calendar and contacts. That's my centralized contacts because it's private. It's secure. For over 20 years, Fastmail has been a leader in email privacy. The Fastmail team believes in working for customers as people to be cared for, not products to be exploited. As little as $3 a month. Yeah, sure, you can get free email, but you're paying for it with your privacy. Fastmail. Get started. Reclaim your privacy. Boost productivity. Fast mail. If you ask any geek, they'll all agree. The best email server anywhere. Easy to use. Very powerful. Privacy first. Very secure. Fastmail.com slash twit. You can try it free right now for 30 days. Fastmail.com slash twit. Use that slash twit. Then you saw it here. Make email yours with Fastmail. Well, he wasn't as fast... As I am, but Joe Esposito has come up with an image of Jeff Jarvis in his socks at the beach. <laughs> I think that looks that, that looks, looks relaxed. That looks good. And, and that's yeah, you. No, that's very, uh, that is Brian Lawrence. Oh, Brian Lawrence did it, that. It actually looks. You look a little like Dick Van Dyke. Uh, I'll take but that. That's, that's okay. pretty good, though. Yeah. Pretty good. Size fourteen like. shoes. I mean, mine are bigger enough for twelve. But. So it looks like some sort of weird soccer shoe or rugby shoe. Yeah. Maybe you're what playing. What keeps the sand out? Oh, that's it. Okay. I mean, that's good. So thank you. That wasn't Joe. We got a credit where credit is due. Yeah. That is Brian. Joe listened to you. Didn't do it. Lawrence. Thank you, Brian. D. Lawrence. Unfortunately, horizon lines off a little bit, but we won't go there. Anyway, oh, this we can Google. How can an AI get the horizon line law wrong? That's crazy. <laughs> 
Should be straight. Come on, AI. First thing I first thing I saw. Deck coming. Come on, AI. <laughs> uh, oh boy, there's so many other things to talk about. You you want to talk about the end of the red envelope? No more red Netflix envelope. DVDs by mail. It stopped on uh, September 31st, 30th. I should say. Uh, yeah. Hmm. End of an era. But there is something to be reported on with this. We talked a little bit about it on Sunday on Twit. Uh, it means that it's the end of the long tail for DVDs. So you could get, by mail from Netflix, any one of maybe 50,000 or even more DVDs. They had them all. But now, Netflix doesn't say, but there are probably fewer than 4,000 streaming titles on Netflix as a streamer. Oh. So that means there are many, many movies that you can no longer get. And that's a big deal, if you ask me. Uh, I still like the idea of just the, the quality of having a physical disc when you play it back. Um, Mr. Joe Esposito sent in a movie to me to check out not too long ago. And, and just seeing that Blu-ray quality and hearing that Blu-ray sound really made me miss being able to just go and grab those physical discs and and, and, yeah, and how much I enjoyed it. Oh, um, you don't have you? Did you when you moved out here? Did you schlep a thousand DVDs along with you? No, but I have about fifteen or so that I still watch that are like the not. DVDs. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, well, you can make guess, that case. Guess. What's his most watched movie? Mm. I'll let you guess first because it's going to catch you by surprise. The ones that I watch. I'm going to say Saturday Night Lights Outlander. There can be only one. Nope. Or it's <laughs> Highlander. One, That's Highlander with the, Sean Connery. The disc, the disc that I watched the most is down there. Wait a minute. Um, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Some would have uh, said Pearl Harbor. No. <laughs> no, no. no. Some, no. some, some would have said the Star Rocky. Wars stuff. Rocky. But nope. Nope. Blazing Saddles. Play oh. oh. That's the disc that I watched the most down there. Blazing Saddles. Farts. <laughs> Is totally, that the one? Totally DVD caught you off guard. Sort of movie. Do you watch DVDs, uh, uh, Paris? Is that... No. I was about to say, I don't even know how to play yeah. a DVD now. Yeah, what, wow. what, where would I stick it? Wow. I don't know where to put it. I mean, I'm not saying that's not for a lack of trying. There have been movies that I've wanted to watch where I'm like, I can't find this anywhere on streaming. I would purchase a DVD. But yeah. one, places don't sell DVDs anymore. No. And places don't sell ways to... I guess I could buy a DVD player, but... I don't even have a slot in my computer. Right. Gaming console. Right. I use the gaming console. That's the the one um, the one last play, and that's going away as we know Microsoft's going to be. I was about to say they're selling gaming consoles without the discs. Yep. Yeah, this is uh, true. It's just all streaming. So that's problem number one. Uh, how do you play the physical media? You have to have a device that'll do it. But I worry about the fact that that's a lot of our heritage. That's like ninety five percent of it. That's going to suddenly be un unavailable. I guess you could go to Amazon and buy the physical media. Still. I mean, but I think that this is like Somebody a larger it, right? issue is that if companies just want to completely disappear content because they don't want to pay writers or actors or residuals, they can. I mean, HBO did this when they switched to Max, I believe. They got rid of... For some reason, I'm thinking Westworld, but that may not. Or they did. They true. moved a lot of they, their titles. Yeah, they got off. rid of Westworld yeah. and a bunch of different titles are all yeah. gone, and you can't find. I mean, perhaps in those cases they're on Amazon, but if it's a film that came out 20, 30 years ago, where are you going to get that? The story from Salon I was reading uh, talked about a movie called the Ma Peter Brooks Mahabharata, 
which was a great DVD, but and and was available from Netflix in the red envelope, but is not available streaming. You can't get it anywhere. And I just went to Amazon to see if I could find it as a DVD. It's somebody's selling it, but it's four hundred dollars. <laughs> Son of a son of a what is Netflix doing with all those DVDs? I wonder. Is are they going to sell them as a lot? Could someone out there buy the whole Netflix DVD collection? Could be a fun little business. Um. Yeah, John says you can get the VHS for $84. Do you have a VHS player? Just, yeah. <laughs> huh? <laughs> oh, probably get a VHS player for 25 so that's okay. We'll teach anyway. you how to adjust the tracking, yeah. Yeah, end of an era. <laughs> end of an era. Um, Supreme Court has agreed to review the Texas and Florida horrific social surely, media surely cases. even this court... Will recognize the First Amendment, surely? I don't know. That's asking a lot from this court. <laughs> it is, Paris. The uh, social media laws would essentially allow states, a state's attorney general, uh, to uh, tell social media, take that down. Or, conversely, you can't take that down. Leave that up. And, of course, this all came about because Donald Trump was booted off of Twitter January 7th. And uh, there are some people who think that was a bad idea. They want the ability uh, as as governmental agencies to say, no, you can't Twitter take down uh, Donald Trump. But uh, th- this is exactly what the First Amendment says, is that as a, a government agency cannot tell a private individual or a private company what they can and can't say, or can they? Well, we'll find out. Mm. Um. The U.S. Solicitor General Elizabeth Preloger told the justices the art of culling and curating the content users see is inherently expressive. In other words, protected by the First Amendment. It is for speech, yes. Yeah, even if that speech is collected, is almost wholly provided by users. And especially because the covered platform's only products are displays of expressive content, a government requirement that they display different content uh, plainly implicates the First Amendment. I think that's pretty obvious. I think so too, and they and you know, and, and they just said to the White House, you can't tell the platforms even that maybe it's better if you don't have lies about ingesting bleach because that violates the First Amendment. So you, you you know, if you can't mess with the platforms' decisions that way, why could you mess with it this way? Because there's no logic. The, the Texas law question. allows state residents to, as well as the Attorney General, to sue. So that's the whole game now. If they uh, believe they were unfairly banned or censored from a platform, the Florida law. Penalizes social media companies for blocking a politician's posts. I will say, unfortunately, I think this is going to be a litmus test to just how detached from reality the Supreme Court is in its current state. Might be, yeah. Oh, yep. for- Aunt, what was your I question? Have a question? Yeah. If if a social media company was just flat out private and you had to pay to use it, every person that was on that platform paid a some sort of a subscription fee to use it. And they said, you know what, we we don't want you're violating our terms of services with this particular post. Is that still the case for for the Supreme Court? What's the difference? If it's well, no, I, I don't I don't know if, if there are lines drawn when someone says, you know what, you are in my house and I expect you to act a certain way. You know, That's the you, point. You, is that in to come into my club? I expect you to act a certain way. You can or do I'm that. Boot you out. You, you can, can always do that. You can kick somebody out just because yeah. you don't like them. 
And I think the issue, Ant, is that you're trying to apply logic to this argument that is inherently illogical. They're, yeah. The reason why these cases keep getting up to the Supreme Court is more just an act of political animus and the fact that like being shadow banned by big tech has become a political talking point that, I mean, yeah. does work on both sides of the aisle, but has become a rallying cry for yeah. the right. yeah. And I think it's more related to that than any grounding in actual, you know, First Amendment law. And yeah, to give you an you. example, Ant, right. you are the bouncer at mm-hmm. a place where people pay to get in our Club Twit Discord. Right. We have the right, right to pe- to boot people. We do sometimes have to boot people. And we do. Yeah. Have. <laughs> because it's, uh, you know, it's a... Uh, w- it's a private entity. We're allowed to do that. And the government can't say, oh, you can't boot Joe Esposito. Mm-hmm. You know, reinstate him. They can't say that. They shouldn't be able right. to say that, I think. Right. Now, preparing now, suit right now, there are cases. I mean, for instance, there are uh, golf clubs in San Francisco that didn't allow Jewish people in for a long time. Government forced right. them to do that. Or black people. Or women. Women. Um, yep. This was a famous uh, uh case in Petaluma, there was a women's health club. It was a very good health club. Lisa was a member. And some guy came along and sued him saying, well, I, it's, you can't have a women-only health club. I thought it was a very good idea. And Lisa loved it. And it, they were put out of business because the guy sued him. What's the wow. uh, the, the, the ridiculous thing where, you, where powerful men in San Francisco go off to the woods and pee against Bohemian. Trees? The Bohemian Grove. Bohemian Grove. Is that still men-only? <laughs> Oh, God, yes. You can't let women in there. They're peeing on trees. <laughs> <laughs> I spoke at the Bohemian Grove many years ago when the internet was just uh, getting started. They said, what How is many uh, trees did you piss on? I only peed on one. Three, five? I felt obligated oh, to, though, because that was the whole thing. I also remember it was Bastille Day, so it was July 14th. <laughs> and I also remember it was Bastille Day. <laughs> I also remember it was Bastille Day when I peed on the tree. He is Mr. Laporte. No, the reason pissing. I remember that is there was a fairly drunken uh, musical group uh, that I understood came from the lodge where George Schultz was a member uh, playing the uh, Marseillaise marching around. Uh, while well, I was peeing on the tree. I don't know. Just a little, a little memory. From, I love uh, that that's a, a really book. core memory for you. Yeah, yeah, I'll never forget it. Allons enfants de la patrie. Would you pay? Did you sing while peeing along with them? I might have. I might have. Might have, yeah. yeah. You know, it's just part of the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's part of being a powerful man. Part of being a powerful man. Oh, no women allowed. Actually, there were plenty of women. Oh, I shouldn't go on in, into that. Uh, let's move I on. The shiwis. Thanks. Yes, there were women. There. <laughs> Sorry, we don't need to go there. They weren't allowed <laughs> to spend the night. Let's put it that way. Meta. Okay, would you pay for access to Instagram or Facebook? And how much would you pay? Well, give if the it didn't have ads, of, ad free, ad free. I should say an ad free version of it. I might pay. I don't know though. Meta wants to charge. According to the Wall Street Journal, fourteen dollars a month. Okay, for... come on, that's a <laughs> lot. One of, money. of them, seventeen hold, for both. Hold on, what a deal. Hold, hold on, <laughs> what do what do you get out of it? Uh, what's your return on your investment? Ad free, ad free versions of the Facebook. This is in Europe where they think they're going to be forced to do this. It's a response to um, European privacy because the European Union has said, "Well, you shouldn't be able to." Uh, track people's digital activity for ad targeting, which of course is their business. 
so they say, okay, fine. If you don't want us to do that, we could have a paid version. And I think this is a little bit of an FU from Facebook to the EU. FU EU. Well, people have been begging for this for a long time. But not the, the, for get rid of the ads. Everything's okay so Here's a version. I'd pay, okay, I might pay $5 for an ad-free version of Insta. Maybe. That's what TikTok is offering, right? For TikTok's going to do that too, yeah. Platform? Is that, is that happening? Okay, so Twitter blue, remember back in the day, was, was it $3, right? Yeah, and it's yeah when I first signed right? up for Twitter blue, it was like 3 bucks, and yeah. I was like, I, I would have paid yeah. back in the heyday of Twitter when yeah. it wasn't for a blue check, I would have paid $15 a month for Twitter, but yeah. that's because I was addicted to it. Well, yeah. the, you, you were addicted quote unquote, but you also got some good value out of it from your yeah. day to day. The, oh, yeah. the so nuzzle feature was great oh, where you could nuzzle. essentially see the yes. uh, trending articles right. that people in your network cry. had. But I think that the you, issue with this is that I don't think that that many people are going yeah. to crave an ad-free experience enough to shell out $14 yeah. a month. No. There yeah. has to be something else. TikTok is, uh, they say, according to a report by the Android Authority, Hello, Android Authority. Testing an ad-free monthly subscription plan, four ninety-nine a month. Uh, they have confirmed that this is not. They've confirmed it to TechCrunch. This is not. Uh, the service says it's limited to sing, a single English-speaking market outside the U.S. But that's how these tests uh, no. often uh, often go. I TikTok is interesting. Would you pay five bucks for TikTok? I wouldn't. But I think there's I some would. people who would. I yeah, I you would. love TikTok. Yeah. No, I, I, what I else? couldn't see that. But There just would have to be something else. I mean, I don't find advertising that intrusive on social media, especially not TikTok. But Instagram is maybe a little bit over the top. I haven't used Facebook. It is. Yeah. It's just because you buy everything that shows you, Leo. I do. And I'm, I'm paying them. It's actually cheaper for me to give them fourteen ninety nine, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and not see ads than it would be to see the ads. I spend much more than that every month on, ad, on crap that I don't want. It, it is fascinating, though, as big as TikTok is, and at least in my experience, I don't see nowhere near the amount of ads I, would, I see on the Instagram side of things. I think a lot of times on TikTok, you're seeing an ad and don't know it. Okay. Yeah. Do you think? that. I think yeah. the I don't know. It's easy enough to swipe by them, but I think there's an ad every five or six TikToks. Well, what's a TikTok ad versus what's a influencer? Like here's an okay. So the post. third swipe up, Killers of the Flower uh, Flower Moon, which is an ad for a movie. I love your yeah, advertising. I, I love the look into your advertising profile we're getting here, Leah. Keep going. <laughs> okay. Well, I get oh, movie ads in you right now. Then a woman in a bikini. Then another woman in a bikini. Then a woman in a short skirt. Is this an ad? No. Then another. Then they're remodeling a bus. Then a Jewish wedding with an unexpected surprise. Then somebody <laughs> live doing. What is going on with TikTok Live? It is weird. Now this woman is trying. I mean, on, I think yeah. that yeah, TikTok Live is just a ploy to keep you up. in the app. Here's for a as woman as possible. Oh, okay. in a bikini made out of oh. tape. This is because Leo stays on the wrong thing. I should, you know, my my daughter there tells me go. this. She says, it's your fault because you linger. I said, but how do I not linger? She's not wearing any clothes. <laughs> so this is this is uh, sun power. So that's an ad, right? I'm 24. My son is eight. Okay, who cares? Uh, Home Depot. So you get some home improvement. <laughs> Anchor wireless charger. Is this an ad? 
Yeah, it is. See, it says shop. This is an ad from a company called Hidden Steel. I don't think、Steals. that's an ad, but I think that that is a cratered content that they can get with a, t- with a, a commission from. The next one is an ad because it says sponsored. I'm seeing more of the creator stuff. I think I've seen three ads so far, maybe every third or fourth swipe, if that. But everything else I'm seeing is like creators. But see, part are, of the problem、uh, is, putting as you pointed out, out, Taylor, is Taylor, Paris, is that I can't tell the difference between. This, <laughs> whatever、yeah. this is, and an ad. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It says it's an ad. It's a bottom、really、left hand corner. Where, where bottom left hand corner? Bottom look left. At, look how、oh, small God, that is. I don't know. My eyes go immediately to that, but it's also because I, I can't、uh, get rid of it. I hate consuming、now. advertising, and I'm always looking to swipe through it. But、yeah. so, you, the first thing you look at when you're, when you're doing TikTok is. A little sponsored thing down here, which is intentionally very t i n y I mean, I'm not saying that I'm exclusively focusing on it, but it's the first thing my eye is drawn to. When、am、I, I see、uh, something, something that is clearly sponsored, I immediately notice it and keep swiping. Yeah. Okay. So that's good.、Uh, there's a little deer. Yeah. It's, see? It's Look how small、hard. that is. It's so tiny. It's pretty hard to differentiate. I can't even read、sure. it. All right.、That's、so, but I wouldn't pay $4.99 for this experience without that. There's、yeah. another one. Big, see,、so、there's like、go. every third, third or fourth one, I think. It's quite a, quite a few of these. I, that's interesting. So now I'll look for that. that was, so it's every third、yep. swipe. That's too much. And they've kind of got it in there. There it is.、Uh, yep. Hey, semi glutides. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You're going to、wow. buy that through TikTok. Yeah, let me get my Rebelsis at TikTok. Oh, but these are tablets. Wait a minute. That's good. I don't mind that so much. TikTok is testing this project only in one market outside the U.S.,、um, but I wonder if this might also、uh, come here. This is what it looks like. Pick your plan. Choose whether you will see ads. There's standard, free, enjoy TikTok with ads. We'll also use your data. We also use data from third parties as、so、personalized. Yeah. Is that you can, it, it takes away the, with both companies, it takes away the、uh, privacy tracking stuff. But does it? Because、yeah. I have to point yeah, out. Yeah, but does it? That's the question. They don't say, as we do, by the way, when we say ad free、uh, for Club Twit, we say and no tracking because there'd be no redirects. But well, TikTok don't say is still going to personalize, so it's going to have t r a c k i n g Yeah, it has to track you. It has, it has to. to. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Or whatever they do.、Yeah. So,、uh, Paris, you would pay for Twitter, but you wouldn't pay for f- old $14.99 for old Twitter. For old Twitter, not, not new Twitter. Twitter. Not Nobody、Twitter. would pay for that. Yeah. Junk. New Coke. Old new Twitter, Twitter, but frankly, no other platforms. No、really. other platforms. I mean, and Ant, would you pay anything for this stuff? I would not, but I know people that would pay for the Facebook. Premium because they make a lot of money off of their Facebook traffic. Ah,、uh, uh, yes. Oh,、uh, yeah. Mm. But what strikes me, I said earlier on the show when Paris brought up, we brought up the links, is that it is the online companies, the last of the open web goes away. When you kill links, when you put paywalls around everything,、mm-hmm. all that's left out in the prairie is tumbleweed and weeds. You know, it's, it's, It's bad. And it makes me say that I should have come to Mastodon years before. Well, we welcome you now. To what, that's similar to what、um, Cooper Quentin of the EFF was saying this morning on Floss Weekly. 
twit.tv slash floss open source developer show um, open source community show we have here on the network he was talking about pretty much the same thing it, it, it's such a crap show on social media um, with all of the tracking and, and, and data hoarding that's going on if we want to fight back we should be posted more to these platforms like the Fediverse or yep or yep Blue sky and whatnot. Did you get the? Uh, did y'all get the over. national alert this uh, this morning or this afternoon? Yes, oh yeah, did, the one that was going to activate all of our microchips. Yeah. Um, did it activate your microchip? <laughs> was that Listen, the conspiracy? I still have fr- that. The conspiracy is that all of us vaccinated folks were going to um, be zombified, and that uh, the great you know reckoning was going to come, and then Donald Trump would resume would return to power. But uh, you know, and this time as Speaker of the one. House, right? <laughs> Listen, I mean the the floor is open. Uh, it, I've just got a my got my sixth vaccine, my sixth shot on Monday, so I guess I've been activated because I heard it loud and clear. Um, here here is a screenshot on your phone of the emergency alert that you might have received, John. Don't judge me. It says, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, no. John, John, switching away. I, he doesn't want to show it. I was going to say, uh, Leo, we discussed before the show we're not allowed to curse. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we saw a fine. term there. Fine. That was from Yanko Renkers, now. okay? Uh, all right. Yeah, it made the noise. I don't know if we gained anything uh, by that, but at least we know that if uh, we're going to all die in a nuclear holocaust, we'll get a little bit of a warning. So that's well, good. but the AI will turn it off before it kills us. So you know, it's weird to everybody. Everybody, uh, I mean, everybody in the country got it right. It was on all cell phones. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. a fun little moment for all of us. You know, bringing did you, the nation were you together. surprised? You can Paris? disable you know? those alerts. No, but I wonder if that people one. had to alert disable if no. they still got it. Yes, they did. Oh no, you, you can't. I have the alerts disabled, and I still got it. I don't <laughs> yeah. want no stinking Amber Alert. I don't care if somebody's child got abducted. To heck with Listen, that. I don't care what's going on with the kids, but I guess <laughs> I have to get this one. Tornadoes. Yeah. Okay, I was maybe. surprised. Yeah, no, there's no way to turn that off. That one was forced on all of us. In fact, even if you had an inactive SIM, it would mm-hmm. still have gone off. It did not go off on my Pixel, though. I removed the SIM from the Pixel so I could put it in the new phone, and it did, uh-huh. and it did not go off on this. But uh, Yeah, I was going to say, this has to be a problem for you, Leo. Man with dozens of phones. Was it just kind of <laughs> It was a little noisy in my <laughs> office. It was like a cuckoo clock at midnight. <laughs> it was... It was the clockmaker's house at midnight. It was uh, it was very loud. Um, anyway, it, I guess it happened. I don't know if it means anything, but it happened. It worked. Uh, what else? What else is going on? Lots, so much, so it, there's much. a there's a lot in here. Um, Spotify, who you know, remember Spotify's problem was that the record labels decided whether they were going to make money or not. They were completely at the mercy of the record, the, the three big record companies. So they diversified first with podcasts, uh, which, which isn't going well for did them. Did not go that well. They spent a lot of oh. money for Joe Rogan and Call Her Daddy and hundreds, of, actually half a billion, I think. And uh, uh, they now, and a- yeah, Prince and Meghan and uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle and uh, Obama, the Obamas, and a lot of that stuff fell through, and it wasn't. I think a lot of people thought celebrity podcasting was going to be big, and it wasn't. 
Uh, so Spotify seems to have lost money on that. Their new thing is audiobooks. They are offering paying subscribers 15 hours a month of audiobooks. I, Which doesn't get you through a whole book. In many no, cases. to me, I feel like this is this is treating audiobooks the same way Spotify treats music, which is as wallpaper. Yeah. yeah. And right. I think it's the kind of devalues, and some authors agree, devalues the yeah. audiobook just as they've, in a sense, devalued uh, music. But I understand why they want to do it. But their, their business needs them to have other, other sources of revenue. Well, by the way, speaking of audiobooks, if I may, I got the good news that at the end of the month, I will be recording at long last the Gutenberg Press. Oh, and you're going to be the Ooh, voice. Huh? You're going to read it? Oh, yes. Oh, oh nice. that's so yes. fun. I will be speaking slowly. I, um, Lisa won't listen to it, won't read it until it's an uh, audiobook. And I offered to read it to her, and she said, I want to hear you. I want to hear Jeff. So she'll be oh, much man. happier. That's why they said yes. Awesome, dude. Yeah. So if you start recording it next month, it'll be just in time for Christmas. What a wonderful November. Christmas gift for everyone. Yeah, there you go. The and meanwhile, while, while I'm the recording mode, process for that take? Oh, four days. Four days. What? Please. That's all? And it's torture. Really? It's torture. That is quick. This is a 328-page book, Jeff. Well, I don't read amazing. the footnotes. Oh, okay. Um, You're just going to have to not talk for a couple of weeks after oh, that. Give but us by a, the way, I insisted on not doing it on Wednesday, so I'm going to be here and torture you. Thank you. Is, Give us oh, a great. free yeah. paragraph. <laughs> just read a little bit of it, just so we can get an idea of what it's going to sound All right. like. All right. Okay. Just because you are not going to be doing enough of this. Jeff Hold Jarvis. Okay. Reading <laughs> the Gutenberg <clears throat> Parenthesis. Wait a minute. Wait. I got to do the well, right thing. Audible hopes you've enjoyed this podcast. No, no, that's, that's the wrong. end, Leo. <laughs> this. <laughs> go ahead, please. Right, we'll see how long I go before you stop yes. me. One, the parenthesis. Gutenberg's era, Prince era, the era of the book for the last 550 years, was a grand exception in the course of history. That is what Tom Pettit, Lars Ole Sauerberg, and Marion Borch, professors at the University of Southern Denmark, assert in the theory they name the Gutenberg parenthesis. Now I know why it they're going like to make you read this because only you can pronounce those weird names. Exactly. <laughs> he knows what they're saying. Exactly. Oh, so, Leo, I need you to be honest with me now about something. Did you really take Latin? Yeah. So there's some Latin words in here. I'm going to need pronunciations on. Do you oh. think you can, are you reliable? Here's the problem. I'll just give you a little hint, Jeff. Everybody who spoke Latin is dead. <laughs> But there's and, an accepted and has, way. It has to been do it, dead yes. for a hundred thousand years. No, the except there's two different so here's part of the problem. No one's gonna refuse. So I studied Latin in the seventies, and right in the middle, we were saying Cicero, and the, my my Latin teacher said, Oh, hey, they've decided it's Kikero. <laughs> <laughs> I am not kidding. They changed the pronunciation in the middle. And then there's a church way to say it, which is Chichero. So, the, so Roman Catholic Latin oh, Lord. has a different pronunciation than Old Latin, you know, the traditional way of saying it, like Athenaeum. And then there's a new way of saying it, you know, um, Amoamasamat, Amamasamamasamat. But if you want, I will do my best. <laughs> You're gonna right, have so, a, for example. Aren't you going to have a producer who will do this for you? No, they won't. They don't do it. In fact, I get so mad at so many books who you know a Mike book about Sergeant, Germany and they can't pronounce German. Mike and Mike and Sergeant also, by the way, studied Latin, so we could be oh, like God. a team of wow. two. Wow, yeah, a lot this. of Latin. I need, Latin I need some French too. Yeah, I'll do the German. Well, Paris can so do the French. Index librorum prohibitorum. 
How would you say that? Well, not not like that. Well, I <laughs> I think the rolling of the R's is a little much. I thought it was nice. <laughs> I can't do it in Spanish. I thought I it sounded it. nice. I never could do it. I just did it. So uh, Mike is Rohibitorum. saying, Mike is saying, and this is right. We used to say Vini Vidi Vici. I came, I saw, I conquered, and then right. all of a sudden it's Winnie Witty Wiki. Oh, that sounds okay. Awful. No, oh, that's no, no, I know, no. I know. Um, so I think you want the traditional. So index yes. is correct. That's good. That's a good start. What was the next word? Librorum. Say it again. L-I-B-R-O-R-U-M. Oh, library or librorum or of books. Yeah, librorum. The, the index of books. Librorum. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Librorum. Prohibitorum. Pro- prohibitorum. That's very good. You did it. Just okay. don't roll right. the R's. All right. That's all right. <laughs> I, I never do. I just, index. Prohibitorum. Prohibitorum. That's a little, that's a little Italianate. Um, Latin is a very good language to learn, and I know Michael would agree. Because it My prepares you. It. Yeah. It's the old days. But Mike is young. It prepares you for kind of the uselessness of uh, most endeavors. Well, for Jeopardy, frankly, is what oh, it prepares you for. That's actually smart. Yeah. See? You should be on Jeopardy. I feel like, I don't know why, but I think like, have you ever been on Jeopardy? No. You feel like a Jeopardy. <laughs> My person. knowledge is uh, oh, very specific. Like I'm not be... <laughs> sure that it would go well for Jeopardy. Uh, Alex, I don't want that category. Can you give me another one? Let's do a show. Let's do Geek Jeopardy. You know, Listen, oh, we've done that. We would know. We've done that. We actually have done that. We used to do that in our new screensavers show. We would have the we we called it the Game of Geeks, and we had. I was a, say, if there was a tech and business news Jeopardy, I would clean. This up. was like so much fun. Club twist. Ah, so much fun. So there'd be trivia that. questions, but then the other thing is, this was fun. We put on a blindfold, and uh, Anthony would hand us a geek object, and you'd have to identify it by touch alone. <laughs> Um, what? <laughs> that was hard. Explain more. Geek like, object? Yeah, like a Palm Pilot. And you'd have to go, um... Oh, I, well, I think, think that's it's an like, RS-232C. Amazon Fire Phone for that. Perfect example. That would be a you hard guess it's one. An, you guess it's an iPhone 12 when it ends up being an iPhone 14? If you're a real really? geek... Stuff like that? No, wow. Yes, if you're a real geek, you should be able to, just judging by the camera you bump can, alone... Dis- to yeah. distinguish the different versions of the iPhone. I was going to sure. say, yeah, you could gum that iPhone kind of around in there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. This sounds like a... <laughs> exactly. Uh, tastes like titanium. <laughs> sounds like we have a future club event coming up, sir. That's what this sounds like. <laughs> uh, the U.S. issues its very first fines for... This would be a good Jeopardy question. For, what do you think? The very first fines from the Federal Communications... Ever uh, for like tele scams? Nope. Telemarketing. One hundred twenty-five thousand. I'm sorry, one hundred fifty thousand dollars. I'll give you a hint. It was to Dish Network. Now, do you know? Do you think you know? Dish Network for space satellites. Oh. Yes. Oh. Uh, the company Dish admitted liability over the Echo Star Seven satellite, which was first launched in two thousand two. Uh, Dish was supposed to move. At the end of its life in 2022, it was supposed to move its satellite 186,000 miles out. It was in geostationary orbit, I guess. But it ran out of gas. And they could only move it 76 miles. And it's been Ooh. floating around a junker. So they fine him $150,000. What do they do about it, though? Can they do anything? Okay, if you've got some junk in space, I feel like 150 grand probably doesn't mean much no. to you. No, in fact, no. Uh, Dish makes seven, uh, six, made 16.7 billion dollars last year. 
in revenue. <laughs> revenue. So, Christ. It's well, not what ex- happens when all of Elon's hundreds of satellites are deprecated? What, are the, what happens? Well, I, I guess. the Tesla that's in space. The th- well, that's well, the that's thesis here is that the FCC could, if you don't clean it up after yourself, could find you. But you make an excellent point. So what? They can't. Yeah. The satellite's out of gas. So there is. I Was it the Chinese that had a, a, a satellite, a de- space debris uh, garbage collector? satellite that would go around and, and grab satellites or was that in the movie moonraker Maybe. okay so all right seems so, like a, so, that seems like a cute animated thing, film dude. honestly yeah. they're going to retrieve these someone's well, going to space and retrieve these dish things isn't. yeah but no what i'm asking is that does the fcc expect companies to go back out there and get this deprecated stuff and then what put it into recycling some i guess kind of so way? FCC Enforcement Bureau Chief Loyan Agal, that's pronounced Wainy Weedy Witchy, uh, said, as satellite operators become more prevalent and the space economy accelerates, we must be certain that operators comply with their commitments. This is a breakthrough settlement, making very clear the FCC has strong enforcement authority and capability to enforce its vitally important space debris rules. But they, they aren't being, are they going to clean it up? They can't. According to NASA, there are more than 25,000 pieces of space degree measuring over 10 centimeters. That travel at this incredible speed and can just rip through. Orbital speed is 17,500 miles an hour. Oh, that stresses me out. Yeah. There's so much space junk up there. There's a lot of Well, space is big. That's the good Yeah, I know, but... Bill, my, my luck... Uh, Absolutely. I'm I was like, to... I, I live the sort of life that I'm going to go outside one day to get coffee and it's going to be like space junk, space junk, space junk. Well, I have behind me, Paris, an actual piece of space junk from Skylab. Did it hit you? No, it hit uh, Stan Thornton in Esperance, Western Australia. Hmm. Uh, the and International Space Station has had to dodge space junk 32 times in the last 23 years. And it, what it, it, it sees it coming and it fires its thrusters and dodges it. So it actually is a problem. And the last time was when the Russian, Russian, uh, uh, didn't the Russians destroy a satellite? They blew it up. And then when the space junk was flying around, they had to Mm -hmm. uh, dodge it. Let's see what else. And let's talk about Amazon. That's one of the things you cover. Mm -hmm. Paris Martineau. Heard of it. Some of it. A little bit of it. Amazon, uh, according to uh, an FTC lawsuit, had a secret Project Nessie. Nessie is the nickname for the Loch Ness Monster. I don't know if this is related. It was an algorithm used to set prices. I think we all know Which, that Amazon does that. Well, yeah. every, every retailer does this. Every yeah, why not? does this. Why not? According to the Wall Street Journal, the algorithm helped Amazon improve its profit on items across shopping categories. (gasps) No. Why not? How (laughs) dare they? Why is this news? Jeez. Uh, Sorry. But but, but, Ant, an algorithm did it, and we know that algorithms are evil. It's true. Uh, Some some algorithms are people with calculators, like physical calculators. Here's okay. Here's why it's a problem. Partly because it isn't a human. It's it's very fast, right? 
Uh, Nessie was used in what employees, this is again the Wall Street Journal, saw as a promotional spiral. Amazon would match a discounted price from a competitor, let's say Target.com. Other competitors would follow, lowering their prices. When Target ended its sale, Amazon and the other competitors would be locked at the low price because they were matching each other. They no longer paying attention to Target. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The algorithm helped Amazon recoup money and improve margins. The FTC's lawsuit redacted an estimate of how much it alleged the process, ex- quote, extracted from American households. I'm sure that, that Walmart never does that. Never. Amazon says retail. the FTC grossly mischaracterizes the tool. Project Nessie was a project with a simple purpose to stri- try to stop our price matching resulting in unusual outcomes where prices became so low that they were unsustainable. The project ran for a few years on a subset of products. It didn't work as intended. We scrapped it several years ago. Sounds like a likely story. Do you have a sense of whether or not this is... They're talking about raising prices, but is that on Amazon's like first-party kind of private-label goods, or is that on... Third-party goods. I'd assume it has to be the well. The former, part of this right? FTC uh, suit is about third-party, right? Amazon, and particularly yeah. Amazon's power uh, over third parties, which the FTC contends raises artificially raises prices for consumers. You can. I. I'll give you an example. I have a friend who uh, used to sell a uh, air uh, purifier on Amazon. This is many years ago. Amazon mm-hmm. copied the product. In fact, he thinks they actually just bought a bunch of them and peeled the the label off of it and sold them. Okay. And then uh, Amazon lowered the price below his price. Right? So that everybody would buy that. He brought his price. Oh, there's your there's is it Gizmo? Gizmo, yeah. There's Giz- oh, let's everybody, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to interrupt this story so you can meet the little fur baby named Gizmo. We have black and white cats, too. They're the best kind. And she matches your sweater. Perfect. I was sort of blending in there. Yeah, she's got camouflage. Gizmo, you got to turn towards the camera. Gizmo. She's no part of the lens. She says, no, I don't want to go there. I'm going that way. And she's claws in, so we're just going to have to stay here. Is she just going to, like, wants to be a muff? I think she does, you know, I think she just wants to put her butt in new and inventive places. We have a cat that does that. In fact, uh, Paris did that this morning to me. Uh, About 4 a.m. Hello, Paris. Uh, Yes. Wait, wait, wait. Your cat is named Paris? Yes, yes, I missed that. Oh, that's so fun. I didn't even Um, think of that. We named our cat after you. (laughs) There's Samantha and there's Paris. No, we named her after the city. I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, to the point of Amazon, I think part of the issue has been that, like what you were saying with this air purifier example, Amazon seemingly screwed over a lot of, or left a lot of third-party sellers feeling like they were left in the lurch because they would build up these large brands, have people come into Amazon to get their product, then Amazon would create kind of a duplicate of it and undercut them. Exactly. In... Other examples, Amazon may not have created kind of a duplicate product, but in order to stay ranked at a high place in the search page, sellers would have to make sure that their product isn't being sold for a lower price anywhere else. So they would have to keep their things artificially low, which is where things like this Project Nessie come in and get complicated because as Amazon tries to uh, 
find a way to kind of balance that out, it has a lot of unintended consequences. That's exactly it. The FTC says that Amazon forbids companies who are selling at Amazon from offering their product at a lower price elsewhere. And that's mm-hmm. what costs American consumers money. The FTC says because Amazon's cost to sell is higher than other platforms due to its fees, it creates a higher price point for goods, not just on Amazon now, but because of those restrictions everywhere, because mm-hmm. sellers have to use the Amazon price as their floor. That's the lowest price they can offer it. At. Yeah. And because the Amazon price or the way Amazon operates currently to sell on Amazon isn't as simple as you just list your product on Amazon. You have to ship all your goods to the Amazon warehouse, pay Amazon yep. like storage fees, pay Amazon's logistics stuff. Yep. Increasingly, you have to uh, pay Amazon ads in order to make sure that your prod, like your products rank high enough in search. There's a lot of extra fees on there. Right, but is, let's, let's yeah. play with that. One, Amazon could not offer any of those services and only sell their stuff, but they actually enable all kinds of new merchants to do stuff. One, two. At a cost. If you try to get your stuff in a grocery store. Or more. You're going to pay all that. In That's a grocery true. store or any store where you're trying to get shelf space, you're going to pay all kinds of fees and advertising. It's how retail operates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, so, so yeah. you're right, Paris, And that's why like I think on, that... But. I agree with you, and that's why I think this uh, you can't sell your product for less anywhere else aspect of Amazon's kind of requirement for sellers is important because, yeah, yeah this is how most retailers, this is how, you know, when you go to a grocery store, people have paid to put their products there. There's a whole, you know, complicated supply chain there. But, you know, if I go there and try to get Tate's cookies, I could also go to Tate's Cookies, uh, their, you know, location in here in uh, New York and get the cookies at a potentially lower price there if that grocery store had marked them up. Um, I think wait, the wait, fact wait, is Tate's that, Tate's Cookies you know, particularly cool Brooklyn cookies? I, I, I'm not going to find out about They're this. like a, a, a Hamptons-based oh, cookie brand oh. that then got <laughs> purchased by a private equity firm and are now like a multinational conglomerate, I think owned by Mondelez. So probably wow. bad example. But wow. first wow. I want some now. Wow. Excuse me. I can't, very good. Can you send the servant out to get the Tate's, please? <laughs> it's so funny. If you wow. said... That Tate's were a Long Island-based cookie, you wouldn't get so excited. <laughs> you wouldn't be mocked, no. But you say Hamptons, and it's like, hmm. Mm. Yes, in Southampton, quaint cottage whipping up cakes, cookies, and other baked goods. Tate's Bake Shop. I have shop. a bone to pick with Tate's because I went there this summer thinking, oh, great, I'm going to get fresh Tate's cookies. But no, they don't make them fresh anymore because they are... A like, you know, they're yeah, house. House now. They're made in Switzerland now. Yeah, yeah, they're made God knows where. Um, <laughs> they have limited edition pumpkin spice cookies. Yeah, honestly, Tate's cookies are great. If you like a crunchy cookie, try them out. <laughs> Yeah, all right. The only the only cookie. That so you went all the way to Southampton to, to this to this little cute. I little was bake in shop? Southampton. Oh, okay. My. I had like family staying there. Okay. We, we happened to be within a 15 minute walk of the Tate's yeah, sure. cookie place. And I was like, great. It's kind of, you know, it's sad because this is so cute and quaint. And, and now it's just a packaged cookie. It's like no different than Keebler. A fun fact about Tate's Bake Shop is, uh, oh, there was a great book I'm forgetting the name of uh, recently. It was like, We Are the Plunderers or something about the scourge of private equity. And yes. they were looking... In, as part of it, they asked kind of private equity um, interest groups, do you have any examples of uh, 
how private equity has really helped the world. And Tate's Cookies is their number one example of we bought Tate's Cookies, this small Southampton cookie shop. And now we've turned it into this national brand that's in retailers all across Hmm. America. And we sold it to Mondelez for like a huge profit. I'm not sure if it was actually Mondelez, but some large company Hmm. like that. Uh, It is called Plunder. Um, I'm going to get this book. That sounds fascinating. The Scourge of Private Equity. And we've seen this again in newspapers. Yeah. Plunder by Brendan Ballou. It's a Harper. Or no, I'm thinking of These Are the Plunderers. How Private Equity Runs and Wrecks America by Gretchen Morganson and Joshua Rosner. Different but similar plunder themed (laughs) private equity books. It's very similar. Plunder, Private Equity's Plan to Pillage America by Brendan Ballou. It's very similar. I'm going to read that one as well. You yeah. Know? Is that Amazon's version? Uh, that's interesting. <laughs> okay. So I have to, so Brendan Ballou is a federal prosecutor and special counsel for private equity in the Justice Department's antitrust division. So he sounds like that's he interesting. knows whereof he speaks. Uh, but I will. So, what's the other one? These are the plunderers. These are the plunderers, which was recently named like uh, the best. It got it won the best in business book awards. It was or as a finalist there. Um, it's by a, like um, how private uh, equity a financial runs journalist and wrecks runs uh, runs and wrecks uh, America. Wow, Gretchen Morganson, winner of the Pulitzer Prize. Well, it must be true if you've got two books. About the same thing. I mean, if you have an industry, obviously there are, I'm sure, examples of good actions by private equity firms. But you have an industry that largely is about extracting value um, from companies at scale. Of course, there are going to be uh, unintended consequences or in some cases intended consequences. From the information, Anthropic, which is one of the big three AI companies, is in talks to raise $2 billion from Google and others. They've already raised money from Amazon, one and a quarter billion dollars. So Anthropic is like the, is like, so OpenAI's got Microsoft money, and now Anthropic comes along and, and, and is getting money from Google and Amazon. It's, I think there's going to be a battle here. Uh, we use oh, Anthropic's absolutely. Claude uh, AI for some of our stuff, and uh, I was very impressed with what Claude what do you use Claude for? Claude, uh, go ahead, Ant. You know better no, than I probably. Do a lot with our show notes yeah. and, and um, transcription summaries, and, and it cleans it up. It makes it a lot faster for us to put stuff out there um, because it goes through and listens to the show. Because right now, Mr. Jason Howell is the producer of This Week in Google, and he can't always just be able to note down every little point that we say. Um, but Claude can step in and pull out some of those interesting things and, and, uh, and let him know what was what was said so he can stick it into the show notes. Um, nice. it, we have the transcribed uh, show notes and then the AI will go through the transcription and generate bullet points. But what's interesting. So here's an example um, is a lot of this comes down to the prompt. So Anthony uh, wrote this prompt and and showed it to me and I said, I don't like it. It's kind of. Uh, it's in passive voice. It's not, it's not, it sounds very mediocre. So he rewrote the prompt and got it really good. In fact, it even, I have to find the rewritten prompt, but he, uh, he, he got it. So it added emoji bullet points and stuff. It was really impressive. Oh yeah. I remember, remember that. that? Yeah. It was like, I yep. said, I take it all back. This is this, we should be doing this is better than any human would do, frankly. And, and for the humans to do it, it's kind of torture. 
It is oh, not fun. It, it takes away. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we still want human oversight. So editors and the oh, producers yeah. still go through the show notes, make sure Claude's not hallucinating. Um, but as it turns out, that's something, and we, we've talked about this before with Notebook LM and in other contexts, that's something that AI seems to be very good at. If it's given a corpus of information and says, you know, you say, just summarize this body of information. It's very good at that. There's no hallucinating, hallucinating involved because it's coming from an actual source. And uh, it seems to and be you very can check good it. at that. And you, you can, check and you can quickly, book. readily check it, yeah. So it seems quite good. Uh, anyway, Anthropic will be the next, uh, the next big one, I think. Um, Google has said... Who, who runs Anthropic? Are they, are they long-termism nuts like the others or not? Yes. <laughs> They're Tescriol. Oh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, let me... Uh, I'm sure whoever is, runs it is probably Pete on that same tree as Leo. <laughs> I know nothing to back us up, but it feels correct. Uh, I think Anthrop. I want to say Anthropic is. Um, are they related to Alpha? Uh, I'm not sure. Founders Daniela Amodai yeah, and Dario European. Amodai. Yeah. Oh Amodai. wow! So maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe they're not Tescreal. Maybe they believe. So in I just a did something. While, while we were while you were in commercial, I went to um, Google book, books.google.com and I searched as one can the Musk and the uh, Bankman Freed biographies. Two hot books. The word long termism does not appear in either. Either one, even <laughs> though that is clearly <laughs> that's core yeah. to the story. Yeah. They are cultists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, interesting. By the way, the the Elon Musk Walter Isaacson book number one bestseller. A lot of people reading it. Great takedown on the Verge uh, by um, oh, was it Parrot? Gary Steingart's review in the Guardian was spectacular. Takedown. Yeah, the New Yorker. Uh, I'm told had a great takedown. Takedowns everywhere. Yeah. Um. What do you mean by takedown? Just that he got too in love with Musk and didn't. That it's oh okay, yeah. Um, here's I, mean, the, I know here's, Walter from back in the day. Do do you? Yeah, he, he wants to do he's his pretty oh, prestigious. Yeah. This is Elizabeth oh, Lopato yeah. Hasbun Institute. How the Elon Musk biography exposes Walter Isaacson. One way to keep Musk's myth intact is simply not to check things out. That's Essentially, she took it. Uh, he took on faith. Isaacson took on faith everything Musk said, and, no, and we, we know that Musk says a lot of things that aren't true. And he just uh, wants the he, both. He wants the hero um, narrative. Isaacson and in the is, case of is Michael Lewis. His his star is falling faster than a. Oh no! He did. Michael too. Lewis was embedded with Samuel Bankman Fried on the way up. And on the way down with FTX, his new book just came out this week. So what are the people saying about it? I haven't it's, seen it's it. Its reviews are similar as they both they both wanted to put these guys in the boxes that Genius. they're used to writing about. Yeah. And they don't fit yeah. and they couldn't adapt. I mean, I haven't read either book, nor do I intend to. Are you going to read Musk, Leo? No, I have no. Uh, uh, knowing what I know about Isaacson uh, and about Elon, uh, there's a great book by Ashley Vance about Elon Musk that I would f- recommend instead. This is before all of the Twitter stuff. Right. But I think it was quite accurate. Um, Lewis's book, Going Infinite, um, is all about Samuel Bankman Fried. Um, I think it was the Washington Post had a good review of it. Yeah, I'm looking at it right Negative. here. 
Michael Lewis goes close on Sam Bankman-Fried, maybe too close. Yeah. Fails to capture the nuances good. of crypto. And I like Michael Lewis. I think he's written, so, you know, sport ball well, was He just great. got in trouble for the, uh, what's the what's the story of the, uh, oh, the, the football pay- player who the was. The blind side, yeah. Yeah, yeah that Michael was a problem Orr. because uh, it turns out Michael Orr says anyway that uh, if you saw the movie with um, Sandra Bullock, it looked like, you know, these one, I you know, I have to say the movie may be queasy. These the white savior. Wonderful yeah, white saviors who came along and found this poor black kid and and you know made him a great football uh, mm-hmm. star. Even from the movie, I was very queasy. I never read the book, and apparently Lewis was not skeptical enough. And now, well, and and the subject now has said he earned a lot of money. The family earned a lot of money that he, he didn't, didn't get any of it as yeah. the very subject. Right, and that Lewis um, was part of this, and then Lewis defended the family immediately. So his his star is falling in my view, like Isaacson's. Oh, that's too bad. Um, but I have read the books, so maybe it's unfair as hell of me. I don't yeah, that white know. savior I'm not narrative. Spend my time doing so. Yeah, I might not. Is that the kind of thing, Paris? Is that? Oh, it's a weird question, but but covering the business that you cover, businesses you cover, is that the kind of thing you think? Oh, I should read it, so I know it's what. Or can you say no? That's not my gig. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, I think if it was a book that I thought had a significant amount of new report. I think that there are some business books that you know the quality of the journalist and in many cases that they're a active journalist and that this is their beat. You know that this book is going to contain a wealth of new and interesting reporting um, on a subject that matters. I think that again, I have like much like you're saying, I haven't read the Bankman Freed book or the Elon Musk book, I could be getting it entirely wrong. But my understanding of it from reading other people's reviews is that both of these books kind of fall into the category of like access journalism. I mean, I think that when you are profiling a great man, uh, quote unquote, and your book hinges on being able to follow him around and sit in on all of his meetings and spend dozens of hours with him, of course it is going to end up favoring his viewpoint mm-hmm. and you're i mean you would have to be a complete soulless monster to not empathize with the person after spending that much time with them listening to them and having conversations with them and i i don't think that that's often the most productive use of a journalist's like time and let effort me, let me ask you Do people feel the same way about uh mr walt mossberg the way we're looking at Isaacson at this moment. any books? Well, not books, but, you know, he, he has a lot of written work out there. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, gone yeah. back and forth on Kara Swisher that, on the one hand, she plays tough, but on the other hand, she has access to. Yeah, mm-hmm. access journalism, and Mossberg certainly was a victim of it. I think Kara is as well. It's we Sometimes we call it beltway journalism, where you're so indebted to the sources that you can't really fairly cover the story uh, and i think probably so, kara and walt both have a little bit of that going on i always felt like walt a was a little bit. too close to steve jobs for instance and really couldn't do paris it let that. me ask you something because you covered this industry um you know i i wrote a an admiring book about google called what will google do i you know i i think yeah that jeff jarvis another one people really <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. only in the pocket of big google <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, continue. You ought to see him in shorts. Um, Let me just say that. Okay. <laughs> but, 
But these Tescreal long-termism AI boys, I mean, I could dismiss the NFT boys and the blockchain boys. They were a little crazy, but I knew it was going to happen. These guys, the, the, the long-termism AI boys, really frightened me. And so I look back on my own writing, and I think, well, did I... I don't think I hero worshipped them, but I admired the the smarts of them, and I think I was part of this too. Where where it was that is that um, putting these boys up on too high a, a pedestal, a cliff, and uh, they believe their own PR. So you've covered these people. How how do you view them? I mean, I think what you're describing is a much larger phenomenon than yourself. We are yeah. coming off of this age of tech journalism that for a while was very hero worshipy because everything was new mm-hmm. and exciting like you said there were these cool boys in a, a you know college dorm room just trying to take on the world and what could go wrong uh, we're just talking about things on the old computer that sits in your back room at home and little do we know everything about the world has changed how many times over because of the various advances in technology and I think obviously as the power that these companies and executives wield has become more evident. Obviously, a uh, caring and conscientious press should hold their feet to the fire. Um, And I think that we're kind of now in a bit of the backswing of that, I think, especially the fact that we have had over the last, we're on the tail end of this tech boom in terms of um, fundraising these astronomical sums, people being given basically unlimited capital to follow whatever their wildest dream that they decided to put in a pitch pitch deck was. And I think we're entering this new era where you have to be a lot more critical about these things. And I guess to answer your original question, how I approach this, I don't always think that executives or the like uh, big names at the head of every company are necessarily the most important people to focus your reporting on because ultimately many of the decisions are happening almost all the decisions are happening downstream of them um so i think that that's kind of how i try to approach it that's that's good journalism here's another but but um i would like to think that larry and sergey and Satya and um, uh, Marissa and the people of that era um, are pretty smart, uh, and I hope they're not cultists. Is this something that's been there the whole time and we haven't seen it, we only see it now? Or is this this particular breed of Musk, Teal, Altman, um, et al., who are the long, that kind of cultish long-termism thing? I think it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I mean, I think that those people you specifically named are definitely steeped in uh, specific kind of political social movements and continue to radicalize themselves and those around them. But I also think that the culture that like Silicon Valley largesse has created uh, over the past decade or two, it's a culture where like radical ideas and big thinkers have historically been rewarded. Right. So of course it's going to skew towards the extremes of, you know, um, the guy who was five years ago talking about taking ice baths three times a day. Everyone probably thought he was crazy now, <laughs> but now they're like doing that and having 20 supplements a day and replacing their blood with the blood of their kids. Like, um, so I think that, yeah, I think that it is more so of the cover, loudest voice wins. 
um, I'll put air quotes around the word philosophy and politics and in covering technologies, the information does better than anybody else. Uh, how how wide does that umbrella cover now in terms of the culture? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on the reporter and the beat. Like we have a really great um, weekend section. We recently hired this great reporter, Julia Black, who has uh, done a lot of phenomenal reporting on this. And she just had a great story about kind of the the world that Peter Thiel and his associates hoped to bring about by their various investments. And it specifically kind of dealt with these sort of issues of kind of the complicated social bleed associated with a certain group of, you know, tech luminaries. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's something that you can't really ignore. I think that obviously kind of the information's bread and butter has always been like scoops and journalism about like business news and market moving things. But also if you want to do a service to readers uh, when you're talking about the technology industry at large, that's going to have kind of coverage of a variety of social uh, influences and impacts. I think we've learned. I mean, I I was, I'm absolutely was guilty of, you know, thinking Elon was Tony Stark and, you know, uh, Larry and Sergey had some (laughs) sort of magical powers that we, but this was all part of the, the, as we've talked about before, Jeff, the early days of Mm -hmm. technology where we were all very optimistic about uh, the future, but of you technology. had reason to be optimistic. Well, we back want then, uh, you based know on the in, behavior that was, was, was presented. It was new, but you know? in hindsight, I think anybody who's paying attention anyway has realized, mm-hmm. yeah, these guys had feats of clay, and they and they were not uh, they were not what we thought they were, and it has not become the utopia we thought it would. And it's probably yeah. good to to be a little bit more skeptical. I think Nirat Weisblatt has talked about that on our show. Yeah, yeah she mm-hmm. has. Uh, the, other, the other thing that I in the in the next book I'm working on the internet book, I I look back to Gutenberg and the technologists were in charge at the beginning because they had to be, but then they faded in the background. And the question is, when will the technologists fade in the background? And what's more interesting than the technology is what we do with it. You know, it's, it's different this time is they have so much power. And uh, I think there is a point at which you're so powerful, you're unassailable. And I wonder if Google has gotten to that point uh, or other Amazon has gotten to that point where uh, there's nothing you can do about it. I look at the FTC and the DOJ and the actions they're taking at these big tech companies. And the question I keep saying is, yeah, but what's the remedy? What are you going to? Yes, agreed. Google shouldn't be buying and selling ads, both be buyer and seller of of ads, that's but, the easiest one. But what? Well, yes, yeah, so that's the one that's obvious. That's clearly that's wrong. Yeah. How do you fix it? You force them to divest that. Then what's their revenue model? It's very hard to do that surgery now. And uh, I'm wondering if they're now at the point where they're so they're too big to fail. They're unassailable. They can't. We can't do anything about it. Which is frankly pretty scary. But this is where. But this is where I think that the the, the, the regulators go after the wrong end. I mean, Europe went after shopping in Google. Wrong thing to go after. And the FTC now um, is going to hurt consumers. People love Prime. They love it. And they should. They well, save money. They get more it's Sometimes it's had. hard to convince. Consumers are not the litmus test because, you know, consumers think zero ratings great too. Well, you're not going to charge me for Netflix on my cell phone bill? That's fantastic. And they don't, they don't understand the consequences. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of that it's our job to explain why net neutrality is important and why you can't pick winners uh, at cell phone companies so i know this is a tough one it's really tough i like brad stone's what do you think of brad stone's books about amazon paris i think i love brad's i think brad stone is like the example i was thinking of i've read both of his books and i think they're fantastic you learn about that companies in ways that you learn no yeah yeah it's a deep dive into the decisions 
that were going on inside Amazon right. and all these critical points, the various executives at play. It's got an interesting narrative and it's got so much new rep- and like valuable reporting. Yeah, that's the business journalism I like to read, uh, where it's not, hey, geography, it's not, uh, you know, access journalism. Uh, Same with Mike Isaac's Super Pumped, I think a classic excellent. example. Isaac's fantastic, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, well, it's too bad that, because um, Michael Lewis kind of used to be that trustworthy. Oh, I loved his books. Uh, it's too bad I'm not saying that those books aren't valid or anything. It's just that he tried to, both these guys, again, had a mold and they picked the wrong, they, they showed very bad sub, bad judgment in their subjects. Yeah, and that's the complaint I think The Verge had, which is at this point, Walter Isaacson is trying to create a series of books about geniuses, right? He has this whole, mm-hmm. this whole kind mm-hmm. of uh, overarching plot line that these are the these the great man theory these are the people who are changing our world through their sheer force of will and genius and yes and he admits it they're flawed but they still they you know we what, what would we do without them and he it has to fit in that mold or he's kind of his whole premise is yeah. yeah. screwed mm-hmm. so yeah uh yeah i think he got yeah, i mean I something think- i think about a lot is uh I mean, the first page of uh, the essential book, The Journalist and the Murderer, which like the first line goes like every journalist who is not too stupid or too full of himself to notice what is going on knows that what he does is morally indefensible. Oh, my the God. Kind of confidence, man. Like and that, by, by that, you mean like. Oh, this is Janet Malcolm's as, book. Oh, Malcolm's book, wow. You specifically like are your job is to gain a source's trust. Uh, empathize with them in these cases follow men around for like hundreds of hours how god knows how many days or weeks or months and then remove yourself from your relationship with that person that you've built up and write a piece outside of that but based on the knowledge that you have gained from that relationship this is which is hard because it can feel like a betrayal right of the very human. human and empathetic relationship yeah. you just built but your job is not to have a good relationship with that person and have it reflect that it is to both you know witness what is going on and then contextualize it in a way that is unrelated to yourself as a person and your personal relationship with that very source. challenging it she's, reminds me of she's the- writing about joe mcginnis who wrote a book about a murderer and basically yeah. got co- got kind of co-opted by the murderer uh mm-hmm. it's like it's like billy bush and and donald trump in the bus yeah. Right. Yeah. We're all appalled that Billy Bush laughed at Donald Trump. Yeah, but I in understood. That in that situation, in that situation, standing next to Donald Trump, I might have done the same thing. It's like, yeah, yeah what he just said is horrific. But what am I supposed you want to, to keep say? Going. I'm not supposed to say, oh, hard. You're a horrible person, Donald Trump. No, we got to interview him. <laughs> I got to interview yeah. him now. So I was a little more sympathetic of Billy Bush. It cost him uh, his career. Um, yep. But uh, I was. I could seeing. And I understand that too. Yeah. Um, but but it's it's I think it's what Paris's point is so is so right is that we we make a bargain with the devils we cover. Mm-hmm. Jeff, are you binding a rewind pendant? Are you going to buy one of these? Well, actually, stupid Jeff, I played Leo. I did. You did. I ordered it. <laughs> oh my! And then I said, "You idiot, Jeff! Of course it doesn't work with Android." Because I actually thought <laughs> uh, I would use it in class, and 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 I I saw a use for it. So tell us what this is. So you, what you just so bought. the idea and is if you don't you want wear, it, by the way, I'll buy it from you. It's only sixty. Well, no, no, I got a refund. They were very oh, nice, okay. but they re- okay. refunded it. No, I might buy it later. So you you put it around your neck, and it records everything you're saying and others. Supposedly, some way they can 
do deal with privacy. I have no idea. But it records everything, puts it on your phone so that you can then do all the AI stuff with it. Of Honestly, I want this just for future reference when I argue with Lisa, when she says, no, I told you that. <laughs> and I can say, well, yeah. let's rewind yeah. Amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> Amen. How does this work with like recording laws? Um, most, uh, there's a significant oh, portion of the country stuff, where you right? can't have... Yeah. Like, you can't record something without everyone's consent. It says it supposedly will cut out certain people or something like that. It says it, uh, Rewind Pendant is a wearable that captures what you say and hear in the real world, then transcribes, encrypts, and stores it locally Yeah, that's in violation of wiretapping law in California. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Slight problem. Well, now I want one. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Oh, it's illegal. I'll it's take it. Sue you. Um, it's stored locally for your privacy. Uh, it respects the privacy of others. We offer features for you to ensure no one is recorded without their consent. I don't know what that means. I don't know what those features are. Yeah. I mean, how would that work? If, like, I mean, if I had that on right now, I'd technically be in violation of, you know, because I am recording you, Leo, and and who are in California. Um, Jeff and I, we are in one-party states, so ah, Here's fine, how they do but- this. How can we prevent people from being recorded without their consent? One, we only store recordings of the user and anyone else who has verbally opted in. Oh, yeah. Using voice verbally. fingerprints and speaker diarization, it's possible to say who said what. If a person hasn't previously said, sure, you can record me. Then it will not store anything they say, and it's as if they never uh, said we'll a thing. See. So you have to okay, go. Okay, wait. Can we go back life. to that that screen? Oh, Look at the last dude. line on that thing. These are exactly the kind of features the device depicted in that one Black Mirror episode. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I mean, <laughs> a little on the nose. It doesn't store verbatim transcripts, just summaries. But you do oh, have well. to say. So that means I'm going to be at the grocery store, and I'm going to have to ask the clerk, "Can I record you?" I might need to record. I need to record this. No, because wow. I don't care what the clerk says, or do I? I'm buying it anyway. Why did you get a yeah. refund? You can- well, on, but here's the thing, Leo. So I tried to cancel because I said you can cancel when I buy it. So, okay, I'll buy yeah. it. Don't feel like Leo, all right? And and I'm buying it. And then it, I looked up how do I cancel? How do I re- no thing other refund cancel? Well, the, they're you, not even close to making it. I think it's a subscription. No, no, <gasps> it's a subscription? subscription service. Oh, of course. Rewind it's a Pro is nineteen dollars per user per month. Oh no, sorry, yearly. Wow. That's so it's fifty nine dollars for the hardware, but but then you pay twenty dollars a month. If you go to if you go to the top and see pricing on the on their page, uh, it'll show you what's included and not ooh. free. Ooh. There you go. So I have a friend who does this, uh, and you and anybody could, it, just with a little effort, uh, on his phone. He has uh, his phone recorded, sends the uses a, a script to on an Android device to send it to Whisper AI to transcribe it, then sends the transcription on to ChatGPT to summarize it, and then all of this is done by a script automatically. I think I mentioned it. Didn't I mention this? And I was at, uh, I went. Yeah, you did. Because we went to see Oppenheimer and we had a conversation and it did a remarkable job. So you could do this on your own. You don't need these guys I to do it. I want to see that thing's transcription of when the bomb goes off in Oppenheimer. <laughs> I assume it was recording that, right? <laughs> yeah. It just says oh. boom. That's all. Boom, boom, <laughs> boom, boom. boom. <laughs> 
Um, so you get, uh, boy, by the way, if you pay for the pro version, you get the CEO's phone number. So that's, you know, that's worth something. Um, sure. Recordings can press okay. stored locally on device. Only you have access to what's recorded. Mac and iPhone apps. That's why you didn't want it, Jeff. Browse back and forth. And exactly. I, I like this. I, you know, you remember um, Gordon Bell, who was the founder of DEC, mm-hmm. uh, great computer scientist, later founder of the Computer History Museum. He had a camera he would hang around his neck. His wife, Gwen, uh, suffered from severe Alzheimer's. So I think originally it was to help her keep track of stuff. But eventually he, he came up with the idea of life recording, uh, that he would record everything. And this was not audio. This was pictures. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. yeah I remember that now. Um, and I don't know uh, what, what happened. It was called My Life Bits. <laughs> A system to digitally... Here he is talking about it at the Library of Congress. System to digitally record. Then this is in the early days. Now we could do a lot better job. Everything that happened. I think it would take a picture every few seconds. And uh, and his his concept was: Wouldn't you like life like to blog your whole life? <laughs> no. <laughs> Here's nope. by the way a picture of what it looks like if you do. <laughs> That's Gordon in a pile of magazines. Um. Interesting idea, though. I like just audio is all you need. I was going to say my version of the Rewind pendant is this guy right here. Um, oh, look at that! A little, a little zoom recorder. Little, Looks like a zoom a little right? recorder, and then you put this in your ear, and you can have your headphones over it, ah. and it just records the side of the conversation. Do you record interviews without capture? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you? And you said you use. Sh- a transcript. What do you use again? You said- I use Trint. Trint. T R I N. Started by a journalist. Which is another like AI powered one. I like it because it's you know paid. It keeps my stuff secure, but I mostly like it because it has a really good search function. Yeah. You can kind of um, because I take kind of timestamp notes whenever I'm interviewing people, and so then I can go and be like, oh, I'm gonna kind of scroll through and click on 22 minutes, 39 seconds, and it'll pull up the transcript right there Wow! Um, and start playing nice. it then. And I can kind of edit it live and then continue to uh, transcribe. I've used really Otter nice. AI to do this. And there's, of course, Whisper will do it for uh, kind of for free. That's a, that's, that's a trend. I'll have to t- T-R-I-N-T dot com. Um, yeah, it's Boy, really I nice. think for reporters, this is huge. Yeah. It's fantastic. I mean, it's just like there are some stories where, you know, you talk to like 20, 30 people, sometimes for like 30 minutes to an hour each. And it's like without having recordings of this in my notes, how would I ever remember it? Oh, God. In the old days, that's yeah, you'd have to. That's what you do. You take you take mm-hmm. you have a little note reporter's notepad and you be writing as fast as your little fingers can oh, simply I, do not I, I cannot type hand. fast enough. No. for that. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's very hard. My, my notes will go cold. In, in 20 minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. You have a lot of stories in here, Jeff. Uh, this Westlaw case, Jeff Jarvis. That's interesting. That's worth. Tell moment, us about this. So um, Westlaw, part of um, Reuters, right? Yeah. Thompson Reuters. Um, yeah. 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 Thompson Reuters. Uh, Thompson Reuters is suing Ross. The company came along and they wanted to kind of break open the legal search business. And they tried to license Westlaw. Westlaw said, F off. And they went to another company where they basically recreated the structure. And I don't use Westlaw. I don't know. But what I understand, Westlaw has A, summaries, and B, uh, a, a, a taxonomy and search structure 
makes the law far more accessible. So we should explain so, Westlaw is is uh, kind of like LexisNexis. It's an online service right. that has all the law journals, all the law books, and lawyers pay a lot of money, I think. I think it's pretty expensive. Yes. So that they can easily, quickly find citations and precedents uh, and so forth and keep up with what's going on. Uh, so that Ross was a company that wanted to write create a comp- competitor? Right, basically. And uh, well, yeah, a service that would, would do some of the same things. So, so what? What's interesting to me is that they weren't duplicating the content; they were duplicating a structure. And on the one hand, you say, "Well, that's not copyright problem." On the other hand, you could say that's exactly what copyright is: it's treatment of information. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, and then, um, and Ross you know, was using other AI for this. We should point out this is yes, an AI yes, yes, service, AI company. So oh, all they had boy. to do was train the model. So is this is what raised it for the whole kind of other things. Once you've trained the model, you throw away all the input material. All you have is the relationships left, and the model has a skill. So this is analogous model is using that skill. to George R. R. Martin and Sarah Silverman complaining that OpenAI has scanned their works. They don't keep the right. works. So if, it, if, if AI learns how to do jokes because it was taught by Sarah Silverman, mm-hmm. um, is that copyright violation? I actually think not. I think that's fair no. use and transformative. But that's where the fight. So this is a whole, this is a parallel case, which is really interesting. It also, you know, involves our laws. Damn it. There are laws and there are case law. And that's, that's public property in a way. Um, so what does that have to do here? And, um, and then it goes to you know the questions of the of the link stuff happening in Canada with their their complete mess. Um, yeah, because so and- Westlaw is the contents of Westlaw are public domain; they're owned yeah. by the lawmakers and the you know. Uh, but so Westlaw's only Westlaw's point is the only thing we add our secret sauce is our organizational the our search capabilities. Because I understand, I could be wrong. So Ross, is. so if Ross copies that. They're copying the one. Well, it has somebody do. who kind of trained it, but it trained it on how Westlaw operates. Yeah, is that, that, uh, that could, so? That's an interesting. It's more derivative than saying, "Oh, that read all my books and now is going right. to be able to give you summaries." Yeah. This is like they're trying to copy the secret sauce, the one thing that yeah. Westlaw does. So the other issue, but they're trying to reverse engineer it or without reverse actually engineer having it. it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the other interesting part here is that Westlaw is a means for searching our law. Right? Publishers want search engines in Canada to pay for linking to what they think is their news. For the sake of the analogy I write, imagine if Westlaw had to pay to link to our law. Imagine then if Google charged us to search for our information in the world. You get, you, 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 it has a quick leap here, probably not in the courts, but in a philosophical basis to this whole notion of what's happening with links right now and made even worse now with Musk deprecating them too. But in Canada, um, with C18, uh, the uh, the publishers said, you must pay to link to us because our content is what's valuable. Facebook said, screw off. And uh, by the way, it didn't hurt Facebook in the least, but the publishers lost 30% of their traffic. So what was valuable in there? Was it the content? No, it was the links. That kind of comes into this as well. What's valuable? The law or the treatment who can charge whom for what? Who can put a fence around it? This opens up all kinds of new things when the the model is just learning how to do something. How it learns and how it's taught. So is this about like in mid-journey someone saying create an image of a cat in style of Andy Warhol? 
A little bit, I think, Ant. Um, but I, I think it's a little more um, operational, procedural than that. It's not so much the style. Because it, what you're saying is Westlaw just has all of this, this public data, but they figured out a way to package that public yes. data a certain way that and the packaging is for other their people secret sauce and, yeah and well so, every newspaper has public data right every right. newspaper has the new york times has tons of public data it's their packaging of it that we buy yeah we got we need to move along i wanted to talk a little bit about mean girls on tiktok this is a complete way to end around the writers guild and the screen actors <laughs> guild oh don't put it in the theater you don't have to pay residuals uh we'll just put it on tiktok that the people who Paramount Pictures, which owns Mean Girls, has posted the entire movie Mean Girls on TikTok, which oh is in Interesting. 23 Julio, individual videos. Against I want to know the wishes. discussions that happened yeah. with a legal team to allow this to occur. <laughs> oh, my. They did it on October 3, which is, mean what's Girls it called? Day? Mean Girls Day. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, I heard and about that yesterday and didn't know what the heck Mean Girls Their was. attitude Had probably is, no well, this idea. is promotional. It's TikTok. We're not putting the... Well, we are putting the whole movie, but nobody would watch we the whole... We are putting the whole movie. Oh, but we would watch the whole movie. <laughs> so, Well, people are doing it like crazy without, you know, as pirate. Yeah, yeah. Might, pirate as well, movies, might as well be... Uh, it's a new, so they played along here. New it's kind of really distribution. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, oh, uh, update from the chat. After that place published the article, Paramount removed the clips <gasps> allowing you to watch the entire Mean Girls movie from the Mean Girls TikTok account. Oh, interesting. Oh, this is a time. So probably the legal story. team got in and was like, listen, you guys, what, what are we do? doing? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, that is interesting. We do need Thank to take a little on. break. We will and come back with your final thoughts and picks of the week in just a bit. It's been a long time. I don't want Paris to feel like these shows are going to go on forever. No, no, no. Because no. we haven't even done an AI corner or a change log. Change log. We'll talk about that. Screw that. We got a lot of fun stuff. We're done. To we're at it. I, we're done. I just want to go home. Uh, our show today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our show today. You know, we were just talking about Jamboard. One of the things Google said is, well, all right, we're going to put Jamboard out of business. But you could use Miro. I love this because Miro is you can use it right now. Your first three boards for free at Miro.com slash podcast. What is Miro? That's that's the tough one to answer. It's a it's an online workspace. Online, by the way, no hardware involved for innovation. You can use it on any computer or a Chromebook or an iPad. But what does it mean? How can it help you? Miro is an incredible visual place that brings all your innovative work together no matter where you're located. And it's flexible. It can be anything you need it to be. Uh, it could be swim lanes, Kanban, post-it notes. It could be a mood board. It's packed with all the things that you need to make it your dream product's home base. Six whole capability bundles from product development workflows to content visualization. It's powered by Miro AI, so you're generating new ideas or summarizing complex information pretty much instantly with the help of the AI. Miro can work for any team in any situation, but product development teams uh, are one of the sweet spots. They really get the full experience. It gives a product development team the richest feature set of any visual workspace, tools that'll help you with strategy, process mapping, facilitation tools that'll help you run effective design or agile sprints. I mean, this... <laughs> 
It's amazing. Miro connects super seamlessly to the platforms you're already using. Using Confluence? Yeah. Jiro? Yeah. Google Docs? Yeah. Asana? Yeah. No problem. Uh, we use it with Zapier and Google Docs. You can centralize work in a way that makes sense for your team. They don't leave Miro. And that's the other thing that's a real advantage. There's no context switch. So you stay in Miro to update product statuses. It's all, it, even using those tools, you still do it in Miro. That means there's a single source of truth, a single place. Everyone can go to see where the project is. It's also a massive time saver. Miro users report saving up to 80 hours a year because they streamline conversations. Yes, per user, per year, they streamline conversations. They cut down on meetings. And it is really helpful in a hybrid workplace because people, no matter what time zone they're in, no matter where they are geographically, can get the most up-to-date information in one place. Miro just released a new feature. They're always doing new stuff. But this one just came out, a board video recording feature called TalkTrack. Kind of like what we were just talking about, to save time, pre-recording your thoughts, leaving them on the board instead of, instead of scheduling yet another meeting that slows down the productivity. It's another great way to add your comments, your thoughts, your ideas, your brainstorming to your Miro boards. The best news is, because Miro could be whatever you need it to be, you can try it free right now. Your first three boards are free Start working better at Miro.com slash podcast. M-I-R-O dot com slash podcast. Miro.com slash podcast. We thank them so much for their support of, uh, of the show. Paris, you put in a, a, a fun one that could be your pick. I'll let you, uh, I'll let you choose, but I see this master class looks kind of cool. Yeah, I'm really interested in that story. Oh, yeah. This is a uh, story I recently reported just about how Masterclass hit it big during the pandemic, like most content companies did. Had a surge in users interested in watching Masterclass and signing up when they were locked in their homes, raised a buttload of money because of it, and then spent a lot, I mean, spent a considerable amount of it very quickly on somewhat frivolous things and have had to do kind of a crazy amount of layoffs and budget cuts to you, try and make its business work. You, this this uh, uh, graphic at the front is Bob Iger in his office. Actually, it looks like an AI of Bob Iger in his, in his office. Yeah, it's definitely business. Bob Iger's uh, head pasted yeah. on yeah. some It looks like that body. Google head shift thing. <laughs> but you point out, and this was the thing I loved about Masterclass. They were a sponsor for a long time, is their production values were incredible. I didn't realize how incredible. Beautiful. You say they spent $850,000 shooting the Bob Iger Masterclass. Yeah, and $100,000 of that came from, they originally were like, we want to shoot in Bob's office. And it didn't really work, you know, it was a small thing, logistically, they couldn't get, and so like, oh, we're going to spend a hundred grand recreating Bob Iger's office one-to-one in a Disney conference room on a different model. Oh, my Um, God. And I mean, the thing is that surprised me so much about this is like, I've, in a a lot of the reporting I've been doing over the last year, seen a lot of examples of tech companies blowing money on silly things. But I hadn't really ever considered the like Hollywood aspect of it, which is kind of like that, but notched up a degree. I mean, I think the average masterclass for a long period of time had a budget of 
a million dollars for mm. production. That's not, not it looked like wow. it. talent. It looked like wow. it, though. I mean, when you and looked yeah. at those Talent was totally different. They were probably paying talent anywhere from a couple hundred grand to a couple million, depending on the they name of the celebrity. Freaking Sam Jackson was one of their top Yeah, that top was a great talent. They, for yeah, great a single, class. on a single day of, like, shooting, they filmed uh, this barbecue pitmaster, Aaron Franklin, Love just that. outside yeah, in the backyard. Watched that one over and over again. They had, like, 70 <laughs> people on set to film him. It's like a Hollywood day. movie. Jesus. Like a, wow. Yeah, so it a did crew the, of 70. So it didn't work. <laughs> I mean, they raised, yeah, they raised hundreds of millions of dollars. Oh, it was, it was hot as hell. The other thing, Paris, is that it, it motivated. It was the hot thing around schools. So we had to do our own master classes. We had to oh. find people. To, we, we did. We got a grant and did like five master class like mm. uh, things around journalism. That's so interesting. I, I enjoyed mean, my subscription. I, I paid oh, me for too. it for a couple of years. Me too. And I, I watched I a lot of them. now, but it is it was a lot of good information but, in there, and and it was freaking beautiful. But if Gosh, you think it about beautiful. it, Aunt, I mean, how much did we pay? It was a couple hundred bucks or something. Yeah, it was. How like a, are they going to make that million dollar production fee <laughs> costs back? Yeah. yeah, that hurt. So what happened to? I mean, them? yeah. I mean, so that's the thing is they have ha- they had since basically their pandemic boom, people started going outside and their subscription numbers no longer were just going up and to the right. Uh, think growth kind of plateaued. People weren't looking to spend that much money on the contents. They've had to do kind of massive budget cuts in terms of their production value. They've had like four or five different rounds of layoffs of their staff, cut like 300 people. Um, they had 300 people? No, they had like 600 people. Jeez. This is an amazing story, half. by the way. One of the things they did during COVID was they all moved to Iceland. Yeah, they were like, we've got to, you know, keep production going. So they're like, we're going to do production in Iceland where, you know, stuff is uh, somewhat under wraps. But they flew a whole masterclass crew of production people out via private jet to Iceland, moved them and their families there for like six months, then flew all the instructors via private jet there, put them up in like a fancy place to stay with their families during quarantine. Mm, Just kind of this whole big spenders. And I mean, it could work except for the fact that it's like an annual subscription thing. I mean, people are paying $120 a year for this. Yeah. Uh, it's not really scalable. Um, yeah. So now what they're trying to do is kind of lower budget content, um, much less like glitz and glam, glamour, like celebrity master classes. Instead, they're doing kind of almost like a quibby type thing where they're talking about quick Uh-oh. bites of content oh. where they'll have a like, uh, that was my thought exactly. They have they'll a be on TikTok before you know it. Oh, I mean, man. they're like, you know, they'll do a 15 minute episode on how to do the best coffee. Or a 19-minute episode in which the 16-year-old pickleball champion from a couple of years teaches you how to, how to play pickleball. I mean, you can you know? cut costs and make things more expensive, but they shouldn't cheapen this product. Please don't master class. But they can. I, mean, I think it's also product. they're trying to figure out what people want because there's not that many people that want to sit down and watch a three to eight hour in-depth thing from like Bob Iger or something and actually consume all of that content. So they're trying to find a way to balance it. Sorry. It's also kind of what you were talking about before with the the Isaacson and Lewis problem. How many world-class geniuses who run the world do you really want to hear from? And it's also like how many of those people who are good at something and have name recognition are good at 
teaching it. Yes. Those are two very different skills. This is true. I have to say, though, and I know, Aunt, you and I both watched a lot of these. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was fantastic. I mean, I always wondered how they did it. And notice, by the way, uh, one of the reasons Twit is so cheap and cheesy (laughs) is because (laughs) I learned from watching tech TV go down the tubes because it was so expensive. And I said, can we do this for less? And even in 2005, we were doing this for a tenth of what tech TV was doing. And and tech TV wasn't financially viable, but I knew if we could do it that less, that inexpensively, we could be. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not to besmirch Masterclass. I loved their ethos and their style. You still subscribe? I mean, I think that's the thing no. is they attracted top tier talent as far as production went because they were like, wow, I'll finally get the time, energy, and money yeah. to create something beautiful that is also kind yeah. of educational. But that's... That's a difficult business to make profitable, especially on investors' so timeline. Is it fair to say they've pivoted uh, Paris or what, what, yeah, what, what, they, pivoted what, what does the future hold for them? I mean, the future holds more classes like, you know, I was saying, like uh, these little series Quickies, where instead expensive. of it being a like yeah. three to eight hour class from uh, Natalie Portman, they're going to be like. A 15-minute episode from Leo Laporte. How to make a good pizza. Yes. Yeah. 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 He's not exactly. as good as Natalie, but he's sounds the same. <laughs> <laughs> Great good article. Time to do a masterclass. Great article. If you have not, Thanks. if you're not a subscriber yet, you this by itself would make it worthwhile. The information, unbelievable masterclass takes a crash course in frugality. See, when I read the headline, I thought, oh, there's a Mastercast on frugality. I need to learn that. But no. (laughs) (laughs) No, they they need to listen to one of those. (laughs) What what I love about it too, Paris, is that it's not the, with the information, it's not the obvious boundaries of a tech story. No, it's really Mm -hmm. well done. They obviously give the time to do it right and to write it. I, you know, I'm very grateful for Jessica and them and uh, the information and, and publications like the New Yorker where great writers are allowed to take their time and write long. Stephen Levy always calls it slow journalism, uh, to do good journalism. Love Stephen. Yeah. And it, it, that's how it should be. And uh, thank God it's still there because there's so much terrible. <laughs> You're, it's kind of like the master class of, uh, of, uh, journalism. Um, I just yeah. <laughs> <Dig> it, <laughs> is that <laughs> very good stuff. Thank you, uh, Jeff. You just got interviewed in the uh, Columbia Journalism Review. Thank you for pointing that out. The history the of the book. magazine. Magazine. This is and your also, new book, right? This is what your new book's yes. on. Yes, yes. Yeah. But they also talk. I also, of course, talked about Gutenberg. Little book, big book. You know what? There's no one better to do this <laughs> because you were on the front lines uh, as the magazine industry changed and eventually died You'd, so you, i finally get to tell the story of entertainment weekly in oh, there, which i fantastic. never did and i use it as a way to explain the economics of magazines and why they've changed and so on but yeah. i go back to the history of magazines back to the 1700s up to today nice. I, it, was, it was a lot of fun writing it and, is that book uh, out yet uh, this one yeah it's out i think next uh, you can order it now it's very short it's a little tiny book it's 150 pages less than 150 pages it's a quick read jeff fun. was uh was one of the founders of Entertainment Weekly. It was my idea. Yeah. Uh, magazine. Object Lessons in Magazine Publishing by uh, Jeff. Jarrett. Object Lessons is a great series from Bloomsbury. They have, they have uh, oh God, how many? Like almost, I think more than 100 objects. Oh, that's a good idea. Television sets. That's a good idea. I like that. That's a great idea. 
Um, All right. You said you had a pick for us, Paris Martineau. <laughs> I got to hear this. I don't this. know what the picks are supposed to be, but it my pick, be anything the you only want. thing I can think about outside of working hours is the game Baldur's Gate 3. Um, it is a video game that is Dungeons and Dragons, but a video game. And it's absolutely phenomenal it is a compelling story fantastic animation it is a like rpg like a role-playing game it's turn-based combat really incredible like in-depth um kind of story and gameplay i've spent 200 hours playing this game wow uh and and i just got out of the alien ship and now i'm wandering around i can't figure out how to get anywhere so maybe i can get some tips from you huh what character you are you playing? Wander around. What character? I'm playing. Well, I started with a custom origin character, which kind of you can be whoever. And I finished my one round of that, and then I'm re I am replaying right now with uh, it's called the Dark Urge, uh, which is an origin <laughs> character where you're a normal person, but for some reason you can't remember anything about your backstory and. Some voice in your brain keeps kind of pushing you to kill things. And you oh it's actually, I think, is should be the main character of Baldur's Gate because it ties in perfectly with the story and is incredibly uh, satisfying lore-wise. But it's just probably some of the best writing I've ever seen in a video game. Interesting. I, it, I, yeah. I have a hard time getting used to turn-based combat. That's the biggest uh, challenge for me. I will say I'm a big turn-based combat person. I love, I don't know, Fire Emblem, uh, Tactics Ogre, Triangle Strategy, all that. But I think that from what I've heard of people who are haters of turn-based combat, this is a game that does it really well. Yeah. I almost based combat. Don't even worry about it. There are people. (laughs) It's essentially, you know, there. If you think of a normal video game, we're like shooting and doing stuff live in the moment. Turn-based combat is more kind of like chess, where it's like it's your turn. You've got to figure out. What I like about it is you've got to figure out the optimal moves for your characters. You've got to survey the battlefield. I can sit there and like think about what I want to do, and it's great. And then they're and then they get a turn, and then you get a turn. Yeah, and then the enemy gets a turn, and then yeah. I hate it. <laughs> and I play chess. So I hate it. I just want to, I'm more of a Warcraft type. I want to slash, slash and burn, slash That's and burn. the thing is I get overwhelmed. I'm like, listen, I need to, I need to pause and take a moment. This game has had such great reviews. It's probably the game of the year. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's frankly like the best video game I've ever played in my wow. life. Wow. Um, wow. Without a doubt. And you played I, on it the Steam It used to be deck. Skyrim. Love yeah, I got it. See, I love Skyrim. Love the Steam Deck. Yeah. It is like Skyrim, but better in every way. And has like a more compelling story right. and better writing. I did I love Skyrim. That. On the Steam Deck or a PC, or I think you can play it on your. I know you can play it on now your. Now they've got PS5. Mac, PlayStation 5. Oh, they have it on the it's going to be right. coming to Xbox soon. Yeah. Highly recommend it, honestly, if you want to destroy your personal life. <laughs> I'm married. I don't have a personal life. Jeff Jarvis, no. your pick of the week. Well, so um, I'm probably never going to go there because I can't stand Las Vegas. But like everybody else, I watched the Sphere. Isn't uh, that videos. amazing? It's pretty it damn cool. And 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 what what occurred to me was I, I also f- I flew out to Phoenix for Google Newsgeist and and the new Terminal A at Newark and because it's new there are huge screens right every gate has a long big specially shaped screen telling you it's boarding and so on and so forth and it occurred to me that one phenomenon I don't think anybody's written about a lot is the impact on the world of cheap screens 
Mm. We think about it in terms of the phone, mm. also cheap cameras, right? The fact that we could afford a camera in the rear bumper of every car. Mm-hmm. Amazing. But screens, screens everywhere, and the creative uses to which they're being put, um, not just informational, but this just really got me thinking about that as a as a core part of our of our time. That it wasn't that long ago when a screen was only so big and was just as deep as it was wide. Um, screens were the devil too. Yeah, it, it has changed concerts for sure. Uh, I started yep. noticing this about ten years ago, where uh, it used to be concerts would have a lot of practical set stuff and fireworks and stuff. And increasingly they just had a very high resolution screen that could be anything. And now this takes it to the next level because it's a 360 degree sphere that they broadcast uh, the concert. And, you're, and all the screens watching the screen. Plus, That's obviously, the funny thing about this. Is not one ever, see all the people with the cameras? Not one person's yeah. enjoying the show. They're all yeah, recording it. That will it never to, be me. <laughs> watch that the will show. never be me. Yeah, can't do it. Yeah. Because when are you going to watch that video? No one cares. No one wants you to. No one's no. looking at your video yeah. of a concert and being I like, I want it. it. Yeah vacation slideshow you're gonna let me show you this oh please don't although of course we are watching somebody's shot so i guess yeah, I mean, okay, yeah is, actually we're the problem we're the Sorry. one yeah we're the ones watching their video that they recorded in their in their phone this is from the verge article about uh, the sphere um i tried to I, i've mentioned this before i tried to buy tickets for this i really wanted to see it and my credit card said well, no <laughs> you are you are not going you. you are not you've done going enough, sir you've done it you've hurt me enough <laughs> enough pain um anyway it looks pretty cool uh, it's gonna you'll there'll be more opportunities to see them i'm sure oh yeah they're yeah. gonna they're gonna it's a residency and there'll be other but shows. the other interesting thing was for it i mean there's there's bad seats if you if you bought the seats the wrong way, Leo, as you did for um, um, are Oppenheimer, there, Oppenheimer, thank you. Are there bad um, seats here? Yeah, it, you only get there's there's if you're at the top, you don't get the full thing. Oh. Only at the bottom do you get the full sphere. Okay. Yeah, right. but Mr. Howell is saying it has made nosebleeds not so bad anymore. I guess it depends on the. Yeah, I've heard people say the venue. same thing that maybe you wanted to sit higher up because then you'd see the whole thing. There's obstructed vision. Well, maybe that's the case. Like I don't know that. where the high depends prices on are. The venues, you know. Yeah. Maybe it's bottom. I don't know. If 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 Jason knows more, tell us, Jason. It's cheapest tickets for the shows that haven't sold out yet start at four hundred dollars. Oh boy. Going to what? That's you know, a, like, a Google Chromebook. The one I tried. The ones I tried. To, <laughs> so, the ones I tried. What to would buy, you rather have? Down closer. One hour in the sphere or a Chromebook that lasts oh, you for I'd ten years? Have an hour in the sphere. Thank you, Aunt Pruitt. <laughs> pick of the week. Uh, my pick of the week is part of my YouTube watching, recent YouTube watching. Uh, this guy, I can't remember his name, but he's done a series. He's did a previous video about how filmmakers are making cameras disappear in scenes in some of the movies and television shows we watch. And now he's done a part two and is quite captivating again, because you get to see some stuff far as uh, green screening, green screening, blue screening, and just some of the practical movements of the camera. And, and it's, it's really well done. He doesn't like, talk to you like you're an idiot about it it's it's a very nice series how filmmakers make cameras disappear in paul movies part two e. t on youtube paul, paul e. t that's e. it t interesting yeah. i didn't know they used mirrors that's very interesting huh. 
Or makes sense. The, the one-sided mirrors, you know. Yeah, they'd the have to. Yeah, yeah, because mm-hmm. the camera, you don't want the cam- camera in the shot. Yep. And then uh, lastly, it's October, which means it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And some some of you that may know me a little more intimately, I know I have been wearing these little rib, uh, pink wrist bracelets for nice. I don't know how many years now um, because there are survivors in my family. And, uh, yeah, so raising awareness, October, if you want to donate to the National Breast Cancer, Breast Cancer Foundation, please do. Nationalbreastcancer.org. And it's also Sober October, because I have drunks in my family. I'm celebrating Sober ah, October. Cool. Yeah. Actually, I'm not, but I don't cool. drink anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so it's easy for me. Uh, no, breast can- nationalbreastcancer.org. Good, good cause. Thank you. Aunt Pruitt. Thank you, Paris Martino, for putting up with us for three Yay, whole hours. Hey, Paris, what a pleasure. Thanks for having me, you guys. You survived the marathon. <laughs> wow. Awesome. What else am I going to be doing on a Wednesday evening? But will she I, be back? I hope playing Baldur's <laughs> Gate. We'll see if she can, we can get her to come back. I mean, listen, it's what I'm going to be doing after this. You'll find uh, her at theinformation.com. And she, I love it that it says this. Don't use your work phone and call her or leave a message at her signal if you have a yeah. tip. Do you work at a tech? Reach out to me on the signal. But don't do use your I've got work some phone. great sources uh, <laughs> from being on Twitter in the show. Don't oh. use your work phone, though. Truly. It's, right. <laughs> that's the one way they can catch you is if you text me from an encrypted dev- like an encrypted messaging app using your work phone. Yeah, that would be a mistake. Not yeah, but, do not no. back signal up to uh, iCloud either. That's a bad idea. So oh, yeah, you've actually that. gotten tips from being on Twit? Somebody? Oh, on- yes, I have multiple sources <gasps> oh, wow. who I talked to to this day that have come in from uh Oh, Twit, well, I won't name names, but... We'll know who they are if they're listening out there. That's great. pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, it's pretty good. It is. I like like no one, we're we helping you. Army. They're trying to keep the world honest. Yeah, doing Listen, your good you know, work. I think uh, there's nothing like listening to a bunch of people talk about journalism and tech to help tech workers realize that we're not all evil and out to get them. No, we're just trying to tell a story, man. It's true. Thank you, Paris. Really appreciate your being here. Thank you. Of course. Thanks uh, for having me, guys. Jeff Jarvis, you know him as says emeritus on the card now the director of the town night <laughs> center for entrepreneurial journalism at the graduate school of journalism at the city university uh, emeritus that's pronounced emeritus uh, <laughs> Jeff is also, of course, the author of the Gutenberg Parenthesis, gutenbergparenthesis.com, and his new book about magazines from the... Where, who published hey, it again? Boss. And if you're in New York, if you're on New York, Tuesday, um, I just tweeted it. You can uh, you can come to my Twitter feed and find the uh, the sign up. Uh, Jay Rosen and I will be discussing the Gutenberg Parenthesis at the New Mark J School. Oh, how fun. Oh, that's yeah, great. great. And magazines published by Bloomsbury. Both by Bloomsbury. 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 Aunt Pruitt is at AuntPruitt.com to check out his beautiful prints at AuntPruitt.com slash prints. He's on the Insta at Thank you. underscore Pruitt. And, of course, he's our community manager at Club Twit, where he will be interviewing John Scalzi tomorrow. <gasps> yep. How exciting. Looking forward to it. That's, Looking forward to you it. you got a book to finish, though. I'm going to let you go because you, 
you got to be done with that before you. Yep, got to be done. I want to be. I want to be semi prepared. Yeah, I like the cover <laughs> of that. That's great. Really uh, sci-fi, great sci-fi author John Scalzi. Uh, tomorrow, nine a.m. Pacific, in the club. If you're not a member, twit.tv/club. Twit. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We do this show. This week in Google, every Wednesday, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2100 UTC. You can watch us do it at live.twit.tv. Club Twit members can also talk about it in front of us. <laughs> you have now a sticker, <laughs> thanks to the club, for Jeff Emeritus. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. And I like the Prince uh, logo that goes along with that. Uh, I'm not sure I get it. <laughs> it's Prince. Formerly well, known uh, by the, as. Formerly by known as. the person as. formerly known as the professor? Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. see? Yes. Oh, yes. Emeritus. There I see it. Oh, yeah. See. The Emeritus, well, formerly known as Professor Jeff Jarvis. Uh, Papa. Uh, once a mayor, I'm always a professor, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh Thank you, everybody. We will. Uh, oh, you can also get sh copies of the show after the fact at the website, twit.tv slash twig. There's a This Week in Google YouTube channel where you can watch and share, by the way. That's one of the nice things about YouTube. Makes it easy to share a clip. And, of course, the whole show is available, as always, in your favorite podcast player. Just search for twig or search for twit and subscribe to all of them. Thank you. All. all of the shows. Subscribe to all of the shows. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you next time on This Week in Google. Bye-bye. Hey there, Scott Wilkinson here. In case you hadn't heard, Home Theater Geeks is back. Each week, I bring you the latest audio-video news, tips and tricks to get the most out of your AV system, product reviews, and more. You can enjoy Home Theater Geeks only if you're a member of Club Twit which costs seven bucks a month. Or you can subscribe to Home Theater Geeks by itself for only $2.99 a month. I hope you'll join me for a weekly dose of Home Theater Geekitude.